Let's just pray. Father, we come before your throne of grace. We worship you. We thank you. We give you all the glory, O Master. Lord, we thank you for your time that you've appointed this gathering of your children, O Lord, to study at your feet. Holy Spirit, come and teach us the things that we are supposed to know during the season, O Master. We thank you, Lord, because no opportunity that you that is wasted that you give your children to learn at your feet. We thank you, Lord, because you're going to show us mighty things today, O oh Lord, the love of the Father and the joy of the Spirit. We thank you, Lord, in all things, O oh Lord, let your revelation flow unhindered, Master, to teach us and to cleanse us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God has been God's been so good uh, during this time. I know uh, this is almost like a supernatural sabbatical that God has given us uh, during this time. It is not an accident. It's there is God's got a plan during all this, and we believe that great things are going to come out of the season. You're going to come out of the season with not only with restoration of the things that the enemy has lost, that you have lost during this season, but even the things that he has, you have, uh, the enemy has stolen from you over the past many years. You're going to come out ahead out of it. When you're in the valley, you have to stop confessing what you see in the valley. You, you confess what's out there past the valley, on the mountaintop, correct? Even though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, correct? Because you are not looking at the valley. You are not looking at what is right now. And we are refusing to confess what you see. You are confessing outside of the place. And God is faithful. And what your declarations and your confessions are going to come to pass. And you will see supernatural restoration in the way God is going to do stuff. So while I was uh, preparing for this message... By the way, the title of the message is Abundance for Your Soul. Abundance for Your Soul. Uh, this is something that has been, uh, the Lord has been laying on my heart for some time, is there is one aspect of your body. You're, you are made of spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit is already a new creation in Christ Jesus, completely perfect. Your body you have a new body in Christ Jesus that has already been prepared for you. But your soul, your soul is up and down, correct? It's up and down all the time. It depends on information, news, uh, what your eyes see. It's constantly dependent. So your soul keeps going up and down, correct? Your soul can never be satisfied unless there is abundance. And we talked about it. Last, last time our life team message was, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And one of the things that you have seen during this time was um, when, when, there was, when there was panic and fear, people were gravitating towards the areas of lack. So the earlier during the crisis, there was, people were running out of, really there was enough of toilet paper for everybody. But but the notion that there will be a scarcity, everybody was focused on that one thing. You got it? Because your soul needs abundance to be at peace. I mean, you, your soul needs to know 
there is so much of paper in Walmart, I can go and get it anytime. Make sense? So your soul needs to always have, like for example, if, if somebody tells you, George, uh, maybe after two days, you're going to have, there will be a shortage of bread. Correct? I mean, George doesn't even eat bread. Right? But because somebody told him that after two days there'll be shortage of bread, your, your soul is now constantly preoccupied with the thought of, hey, there is not abundance in bread. So I have to do something about it. Correct? So the soul is one area that can only be satisfied by abundance. That's one area. So how does God meet our need of our soul for abundance? So that's something that we are going to study today. I know it's a little bit of a deep thing, but I'm telling you it will, the turmoils, like while we have this body, your soul depends on this information from your eyes, from your ears, from your, from what you feel. So how is your soul satisfied? And we'll talk about that today. Okay, let's go to Zephaniah chapter 3. And we're going to cover a lot of scripture, but I want you to go. Uh, are you able to see the scripture on the Zoom right now? Yes. And is it, can you read it? Can you, it's clear? Yes. Okay. Yes, okay. Okay, great. So let's go to Zephaniah chapter 3. Zephaniah is right after Habakkuk. And if you got that, did you get that? You know, you can leave it unmuted so that we can talk. You know, otherwise I feel like I'm left out here. <laughs> okay. Uh, and if, if somebody's mic is having feedback, I've... I can maybe mute it, but otherwise we are fine. Uh, everybody got Zephaniah? Just before... No, we are good. We are good. We are good. Yeah. So let's read uh, Zephaniah chapter. Yeah, there is feedback on some mic. On Manor's mic, there is a little bit of a feedback, Manor. You know, there's a little bit of feedback, but that's fine. Let's read the book of Zephaniah. Let's read Zephaniah chapter 3. Woe to her who is rebellious and polluted to the oppressing city. Let's read this here. She has not obeyed her voice. She has not received correction. She has not trusted in the Lord. She has not drawn near to a God. Her princes in her midst are roaring lions. Now this is the situation of every man. They have not listened to God. They have not drawn near God. So the, her princes, who are her princes? This is Satan and his armies and his princes, correct? They are like roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves. They leave not a bone till morning. Satan and his kingdom doesn't care for the people. He doesn't care for any believer. He wants to destroy you completely, correct? Her prophets are insolent. Her priests have polluted the sanctuary. They have done violence to the law. The Lord is righteous in our midst. He will do no unrighteous, every unrighteousness. Every morning he brings his justice to light. He never fails, but the unjust knows no shame. See, this is what the problem with God was, with man. God would punish man for his uh, sins and for their iniquities. But guess what? I've cut off nations, their fortresses are devastated, I've made their streets desolate with none passing by, Her, their cities are destroyed, but there is not one inhabitant. I said, surely you will fear me, you will receive instruction, so that her dwelling would not be cut off, despite everything for which I punished her, 
but they rose early and corrupted their deeds. You see the problem with God? Even though he punishes men for the iniquity, they cannot but continue to do evil. So what does God say? This is what he says. Therefore, wait for me, says the Lord, until the day I rise up for plunder. When did that happen? That happened when Jesus was lifted up on the cross. He said, wait for me. Wait for me. Just hang in there. Wait for me till I rise up. Then I will restore to the people a pure tongue. They will all call on the name of the Lord with one accord. From beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, my worshippers, the daughter of my dispersed ones, shall bring my offering. Now, this is where I want you to hear. Look at verse Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 11. In that day, he's talking about our day. He says, you will not be shamed for any of your deeds in which you will transgress against me. Wow. In that day, you will not be shamed for any of your deeds in which you transgress against me. For then I will take away from your midst those who rejoice in your pride and you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain. I will leave in your midst a meek and humble people and they shall trust in the name of the Lord. Look at the next verse. The remnant of Israel shall do no unrighteousness. So God gives you the gift of righteousness. He says, and this is, he says, because I have paid the price for you, I'm going to declare you completely righteous. They shall feed their flocks and lie down and no one shall make them afraid. No one shall make them afraid. This is very powerful. And then says, what he says, Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel, be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Zion. The Lord has, now this is the verse that you want to focus on. Look at verse Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 15. What does the Lord say? The Lord has taken away your judgments. Just repeat after me. The Lord has taken away my judgments. Judgments. He has cast away your enemy. The king of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. You shall see disaster no more. Wow. Wow. This is huge. This is talking about that day. The day in which, in which day? In the day in which the remnant of Israel shall do no unrighteousness. That means even when they may do stupid stuff, God says, no, they will, I, I don't see it. They speak no lies. There's no deceitful tongue. They shall feed their flocks and lie down and no one shall make them afraid. Remember in the last Bible study, we said no weapon formed against you shall prosper. The judgments that Satan brings against you is judgments according to the law, according to Deuteronomy, the, uh, under the law. But once God has paid the price, once he is, this is what he did. Therefore, wait for me till I rise up. What, when was that? When he rose up. It was on the cross. When they lifted him up, he paid the complete price for all of humanity. He paid the price for you. And now he says, guess what? Rejoice. Be glad. The Lord has taken away your judgments. I'm telling you, as I was preparing this message and over this last couple of weeks, have you sensed that sense, I don't know about you, but have you sensed that sense of burden, that, that accusation that is weighing on your spirit and on your soul as if something that you have not done, something of unfinished business, something that is still pending because of which I'm suffering or because of I, I have a high... You know, there is that... There is that sense of 
everything is not right. Everything is not right. There is still judgments pending on my soul. Now, where is that coming from? It is not coming from your soul, uh, from your spirit. Remember, in your spirit, God finds no fault in you. Make sense? It's not coming from your body because your body is here on the earth. The body cannot give you any other information. It's not really coming from your body. It's not because of what you feel in your, in your body. It's coming from your soul because of what you're hearing and what you're seeing. And what are you hearing and what are you seeing in the current world? What are you hearing and hear, seeing? You're hearing judgments. You're hearing judgments. See, when the, the thing is, Satan continues to throw judgments on the world, but you don't have to receive it. You, do you get the point? You don't have to receive these judgments. You have to stand on the Zephaniah 3 verse 15. It says, Lord has taken away my judgments. He has cast out my enemy. See, once God has taken away judgments, then the enemy has no power. Remember, we talked about in the last live team, he said, cops only have authority and power over the unrighteous or the lawbreakers. Once God has taken away your judgments, the enemy has no power over you. Now, who is in your midst? The king of Israel is in your midst. And guess what? Can you underline that in your Bible and says, you shall see disaster no more? <laughs> I mean, how can God be so sure? He says, you can be sure. I have telling you, you shall see disaster no more. So then let me ask you a question. Then how is it that believers face a lot of trouble and suffering and all kinds of stuff? Because someone has not told you that judgments have been taken away. The enemy is still telling your soul that you still have to pay the price. Make sense? Okay, let's read the next verse. In that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem. Who is Jerusalem? He's talking about the church. Zion is church. Do not fear Zion. Let your hands not be weak. The Lord your God is in your midst. The Lord will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. How does he quiet? What is he trying to quiet? He's trying to quiet your soul. What's your soul? Your soul is not your spirit. <laughs> so, brothers and sisters, get this in your spirit. Your soul and your spirit are two different things. What is your soul? Anybody? Mind, emotions. Mind, emotions. This, see, remember your soul is still getting renewed. He quiets you with, he quiets you with his love. So every time your soul is anxious, like for him, your anxious thoughts are really coming from your soul. So he quiets you with his love. He tells you, no, Anil, I, I love you. I'm not going to bring up your faults. I know you messed up two times. You're messing up the third time, but I will not bring it up because I don't remember it. You got it? I cannot find that fault in you. He quiets you with his love. He rejoices over you with singing. Okay, let's read this. This is your promise to every believer. Behold, at time I'll deal with all who afflict you. That means he's talking about Satan and his kingdom. I will save the lame. I'll gather those who are driven out. I will appoint them for praise and fame in every land where they were put to sin. So repeat after me. I'm appointed 
for praise, for praise. and fame. This is what God says. I have, I will appoint them for praise and fame in every place where they were put, put to shame. In your workplace, in your relationship, in your business, every place where you suffered, dist- uh, 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 somebody uh, robbed stuff from you, somebody took stuff away from you, and you were put to shame. The Lord says, in every place, I will appoint them for praise and. Uh, fame. Let See how important it is for God. He repeats it again in the next verse. At that time, I will bring you back. Even at that time, I will gather you, for I will give you fame and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I return your captives before your eyes. See, two times. First time he says, I will appoint you for praise and fame, and now he says, I will give you fame and praise. What does the world hunt for? world is looking for praise and fame. But Lord says they cannot get it, but the church gets it. The believers have it because God has taken care of the judgments. He's cast out the enemy and now he has, he doesn't remember your iniquities and your sins and he quiets you with his love and he's appointed you for fame and praise. I mean, get ready church. Get ready to declare in the morning, I am appointed for fame and praise. I'm appointed for fame and praise. If God says, I've appointed you, guess what? That appointment letter works. That's the best appointment letter that you can get. I have been appointed for fame and praise. Amen? Amen? Don't let the enemy tell you, you are not part of that gang who's suffering in Zephaniah chapter 3, all throughout. You You start when God has raised up. And he's paid the price and he gives us. This is exciting. And I I want to again go back to uh, verse 13. Look how confident God says about you. How can God be so confident about you, Bobby? Look at it. Look at what he says. The remnant of Israel, that's Bobby. Bobby shall do no unrighteousness. It's amazing. I mean, just makes a statement. I mean, irrespective of what she does, God says, no, she will do no unrighteousness. Like Alkesh will do no unrighteousness and speak no lies. That means whatever she speaks will come to pass. Amen. Nor shall a deceitful tongue be found in her flocks, for they shall feed their flocks and lie down. No one can make them afraid. See, you, you're only made afraid when you made a mistake or you broke the law or you did something that was contrary. But God says, nobody can make you afraid. Nobody. The remnant of Israel shall do no unrighteousness. Get it in your mind. Get it in your spirit. In your soul. You say, but Anil, I've made mistakes. I should have not done that business. I should have not got into that partnership. I should have not got into this relationship. I I goofed up in this place. I did not, I did the wrong investment. I did all kinds of things, right? But God says, no. I don't see it that way. I say, you cannot make a mistake. So guess what? God now has to restore, to prove it to the world that the remnant of Israel can do no unrighteousness. Did you see the problem? Did you see the blessing that Abraham had? So Abraham goes to Egypt. Did he go to Egypt? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he went to Egypt and uh, he went and said lies there. But... 
Abhimelech. Uh, uh, no, he didn't go to Egypt. I think Abhimelech. He went to the... Uh, I think it's twice, brother. Twice. Two, to two, Egypt uh, and he does that to Pharaoh and later to Abimelech. Abimelech, two places. He went and told lies. But God continued to say, he, he started rebuking the king for punishing him or uh, not being fair with Abraham. The, the guy who, made, who broke the law was Abraham. But according to God, Abraham can do no unrighteousness. I mean, Abraham cannot do any unrighteousness. So constantly he was defeating his enemies. Abraham cannot do any unrighteousness. That's what the blessing that you have in Christ Jesus. You'll say, but Anil, I messed up. I'm sorry. In God's eyes, you cannot do no unrighteousness. <laughs> it's like, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense, but that's how it is. He says, you cannot make any mistake. It's like a parent talking about a child. Have you, and uh, Millie can attest to this. To every parent, their child is never makes a mistake. It's always the other child's fault. Correct, Millie? I know what to say. <laughs> yeah. It's like, as a teacher, she sees that, right? All the time. It's like always the parents always think that their kid is the best. Their kids don't make any mistake. But that's how God is about you. The remnant of Israel shall do no unrighteousness. Amen? Okay. Let's go to... Let's go to... The next, this. let me show you something very powerful. I mean, this, I, I think I shared this with uh, uh, Alkesh. I had sent him this verses. Do you know how Satan looks at you today? I want you to see this. See, because you, he, remember, he's the one who's tormenting you. He's the one who's accusing you. I want you to know how Satan thinks of you today. Are you excited to see that? Amen? Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay, let's look at Jeremiah chapter 50. Can you take Jeremiah chapter 50? Look, look at Jeremiah chapter 50. Now, this is the title of the chapter is Judgment on Babylon. But this is really the judgment over Babylon was a type of Satan's empire and his kingdom. This is judgment over, king, over Satan's kingdom. Even if we don't have enough time to go through the rest of the passages and the verses, I want you to really understand how Satan looks at you. What happened to Satan's kingdom when Jesus paid the price on the cross? Are you excited to read it? Show, show a hand, okay? Okay, amen. Let's look at it. Let's look at Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 1. I know it's a big chapter, but I want you to read through it. It's just got so many nuggets. You've never read this with the understanding that this is talking about Satan and his kingdom. Okay, let's read this. The word of the Lord came against Babylon and against the land of the Chaldeans by Jeremiah the prophet. Remember, Babylon is a type of Satan's kingdom. So declare among the nations, proclaim and set up a standard, proclaim, do not conceal it. See, this is what God wants you to know. God does not want to conceal this message. What is the message? What is the message? Anybody? Judgment on Babylon. Judgment on Satan. See, it, it tells you what to not to conceal. Let look, look at Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 2. Declare among the nations, proclaim, set up a standard, proclaim, do not conceal it. What should I not conceal? Look at that word, 
Look at the dash. Babylon is taken. Babylon is taken. <laughs> do, do you see? Babylon is taken. That means Satan's kingdom has been taken. He has been defeated. Bel is shamed. Merodach is broken in pieces. Her idols are humiliated. Her images are broken in pieces. How many things is God saying, I want the church to know this. Don't be afraid of Satan and his kingdom. When he tells your spirit, when he tells your soul, and he tells you that you don't deserve stuff, you say, say tell among the nations, Babylon is taken. His kingdom has been taken. Remember Jesus said, now is the judgment of the world. Now the prince of the, the ruler of the world is cast out. And we'll talk about that passage uh, during this uh, live team. But look at it. Say Babylon is taken. Bell is shamed. You know, when Jesus, when they, this was, a, this was an amazing plan of God. For God to become a man and to be a perfect man and to be trapped under the judgments of Satan. See, Satan could always bring judgments on lawless people. But in his, in his eagerness to condemn, 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 he trapped a righteous man. And remember I told you in this passage, in, when before, so many times God made it, a, made it a point to tell Satan during Jesus' trial, he is a righteous man. <laughs> in fact, Pilate said to the Pharisees, he is a righteous man. I find no fault in him. Okay, Pilate's wife, told Pilate, have nothing to do with him. He's a righteous man. Then Herod, he goes before Herod. Herod doesn't find any fault in him. Then he goes to Caiaphas. Caiaphas doesn't find any fault in him. So constantly, it is like everyone, everyone, God is saying, it is not like I have not did not give you a warning. What you are about to do, you are absolutely sure. You cannot say, I didn't know. And I condemned Jesus. He was giving complete all. So that means he wanted to have absolute foolproof that you are killing a righteous man. But guess what? The in his eagerness, it's like, it's, like, uh, it's like a trap you put before a, a cat. He knows the rat is poisoned. But the, he's so enticed by the look of the rat within his grasp, he cannot help but kill it. You got it? That's what happened with Jesus. Jesus, the righteous man, fell into the trap of this adversary, Satan, and he condemned him and killed him. But he made a big mistake. That was the plan of God. He trapped him. And because of that, the kingdom of Satan got destroyed because now he killed a righteous man, but the righteous man's righteousness became a gift for all his victims. Wow, what a plan. And then the church appears out of nowhere. The day Babylon was taken, anybody, let me ask you a question. When was Babylon taken? At Calvary. At Calvary. When Jesus was lifted up on the cross, he became a curse, Babylon was taken. I'll show you how powerful it is. What happened the next? The next immediately. 
Who comes out, out of the north? A nation comes against her. Who is this nation? The church of God. Remember out of his side, they pierced him. Out of his side came blood and water, which is the birth of the church. Correct? Suddenly, this is the nation that comes from the north. Remember, we are seated with Jesus in heavenly places up in the north. That's our place right now. We are in the north right now. Where does our help come from? Our help comes from the north because Jerusalem is in the north. We are in heavenly Jerusalem. It is in north. Out of the north, a nation comes against her, which shall make her land desolate. And look at what the church does to Satan. So in those days and in that time, we are talking about today, the children of Israel shall come, they and the children of Judah together, with continual weeping, they shall come and they shall seek the Lord their God. They shall ask the way to Zion, which is the church, which their faces towards it. They shall come, let us join ourselves to the Lord in a perpetual covenant that will not be forgotten. Let me ask you a question. What is that covenant that will not be forgotten? The new covenant that you have with Jesus, in Christ Jesus. It's a perpetual covenant. It cannot be removed. The covenant under the law was only as good as the first law that you break. The moment you break a law, the covenant is gone. I mean, Israel could not even keep the covenant for the day. They got the tablets. The same day, the tablets were broken. Because they were already committing adultery. At the foot of the... <laughs> it is not even like somewhere in their private house. In the front of the mountain in which God descended. Because man cannot help but break the law. But he says, let us do. Look at what he says. My people have been lost. Their shepherds have led them astray. They have turned themselves on the mountain. They have gone from mountain to hill. They have forgotten their resting place. Look at this. The church many times have forgotten their resting place. But God says, come back to the resting place. All those who found them, devoured them and their adversaries. We See, now God, guys, uh, is everybody reading this verse? Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 7. Okay. Look at how Satan operates against you in the kingdom. See, Satan does not any have a power. He's like a cop who has the weapons. And see how he, he, he brings judgments on you. This is how he does. All those who found him, he's talking about Satan and his kingdom. All those who found them, that means believers, non-believers, anybody. All those who found them have devoured them. And their adversaries, who is their adversary? Satan. We have not offended. So this is what Satan says. I'm not, doing a, I'm not doing something wrong when I judge them. Because they have sinned against the Lord. The habitation of justice. The Lord. The hope of their fathers. See, what does he bring? What does he bring to accuse you? Lord. Yes, but what, does he, what aspect of God does he bring to judge you? The justice. <laughs> he, he doesn't say the God of great mercy. He doesn't say the God El Shaddai. He doesn't say the God of great love. He says because they have sinned against the God, the habitation of justice. See, because his power comes from the fact 
that you are breaking the law. And he's demanding that the God of justice turn against you. You see the picture? This is Satan using God's name against you. He still does that even today. He still does that. He says, Satan, you, the church, they are not keeping the law. And if you don't believe the good report in your spirit, in your soul, you can get carried away and receive the judgments of Zephaniah chapter 3. Say the judgments have been taken away. The enemy has been cast down. You don't believe it because Satan is accusing you before the father. Make sense? Right now he does not have access to the father, but he accuses you to yourself. Say it to myself. To myself. Remember, he does not have access there, but he accuses you to yourself. So this is where he says, and he uses God against you because you have sinned against the Lord. The habitation of justice. You see, his power comes against you by declaring that God is just, so he cannot give you what you are asking for. Right? Because you have not been a good boy or you have not been a good girl. Right? And that's very subtle. I know it doesn't, uh, it doesn't sound as if it's like, it doesn't, he doesn't say like this, but it, the underlining accusation is always based on this verse. Okay, so this is what the Lord says to the church. Move from the midst of Babylon. Go out and be like the rams before the flocks. For behold, I will cause against Babylon. See, the judgments against Babylon are from God. And the nations of the north country. Again, who are the nations of the north country? It is the Gentiles who have come from all over the world. But they are all coming from the north. Because the church is in the north. Who comes against Satan and his kingdom? Their arrows shall be like an expert warrior. None shall return in vain. See, when you take the name of Jesus against every attack of the enemy, yours are like arrows of an expert warrior. It shall not return in vain. You got it? You have the authority right now. See, you have always been so defensive against Satan and his kingdom. Think about what's happened here in Jeremiah chapter 50. After the cross, things have flipped completely. And you need to have this perspective that you are on the offense, he is on the defense. You got it? Okay, let's read further. And Chaldea shall become a plunder. See, all who plunder her shall be satisfied. Remember you talked about your soul being satisfied? How are you going to be satisfied? When you plunder all that the enemy has stolen from you. When you are satisfied. Because everything that he has withheld, kept from you. When you take, when you plunder her. Remember he says, Jesus said, no one can plunder the strong man unless you bind the strong man. But he who binds a strong man, then he can plunder his spoils. Correct? He says you can only bind the strong man in Jesus' name. You cannot do it apart from him. But you can plunder him. And that's what the church is called to do. Plunder Satan and his kingdom. Because he has kept stuff. What is Satan? See, Satan and kingdom does not have things of heaven. What does he have? In, G in, Satan's, in Satan's own words... On when he was tempting Jesus, what did he say? All these kingdoms and the glories thereof has been delivered to me. He's sitting 
like a trespasser on, on the wealth of the earth, on the influence of the earth, the, the supply of the earth. See, it was all Adam's. He got it. But now he's trespassing. See, until Jesus died, he was not trespassing because he was a rightful owner of it. Because they were all lawless. But after Babylon is taken, we have the ability to go in and get their plunder. You got the mindset? Put on the mindset of get ready to plunder. <laughs> I like it. I want you to renew your mind. I'll tell you, on the night of the Passover, I was sharing that with Sushil the other day. And this is so powerful. If you look at the night of the Passover, the last plague that brought them out of Egypt, you know how God introduces that plague to Israel? Did you know how he introduced the plague? Even before he told them what was the plague. I want you to go to uh, Exodus. Sushil, do you know the verse? Exodus chapter... 11? Uh, I think 12. Is it 12 or 11? 11. Exodus chapter 11. Okay. Exodus chapter 11. Let me, let me get Exodus chapter 11 for you. Verse 4, I think. Exodus chapter 11. Okay, let's read this. Look at what he says. And the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, you, he shall surely drive you out from here altogether. Let me ask you a question. Has he told them what plague it is at this point of time? No. No. Now, this, do you think this is the most important plague that caused them to leave Egypt? Correct? So do you think it's important for Israel to know what is the plague? Yes. Correct? Yes. So you do you know what the plague was, by the way? The death of the firstborn. The of the firstborn. That is the death of Jesus Christ. Correct? He was the firstborn of the Father. That death, the cross of Jesus Christ, was the final plague that released them and which released us. Same, same plague. It is that the most powerful plague. The death of the firstborn. But look at that. Even before introducing what plague it is, look at what God tells Egypt, uh, so Israel. Speak now. <laughs> speak now what? That the plague is the death of the firstborn? No. Speak now in the hearing of people and let every man ask from his neighbor and every woman from her neighbor articles of silver and articles of gold. Wow. <laughs> Do you think this is more important than to tell about that it's a Passover night and the Passover lamb? No. For God, what's on God's mind at this point of time? The deliverance of his people. Transference of wealth. Plundered. God, God's topmost on his mind is I need to restore the glory of Egypt, what was taken from them back to my people. Because that's their job. My job is the Passover lamb. But their job, what is important for them to do is what? Ask. Ask. 
Can everybody repeat? Ask. The most important command during Passover is what? Ask. The Lord says during this season, spend time what? Asking. Asking incredible things. Asking incredible things. Because that is the way you plunder Egypt. Did you know that the word God used the word exactly the word plunder? Uh, which, which chapter is it? Let's go to... 12. 12? 12 and verse 36. 12 and verse 36. Okay, let's get this. I'm going to put this out there. 35 and 36. Which is it? Uh, chapter 12, verse 35 and 36. Okay, let's look at this verse. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses. See, their only job was this on the night of the Passover. Their most important job according to the word of the Mo Moses. And they asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold and, uh, and clothing. And the Lord had given uh, more, uh, people favor in the sight of Egyptians that they granted to them whatever they requested. Thus, say thus. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. So they plundered the Egyptians how? By asking. What a, what a unique concept. <laughs> Have you ever won a battle or plundered anybody by asking? That's the unique concept of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God plunders Satan and his, and his kingdom by the simple job of asking. Let's go back quickly. Let's go back to Jeremiah chapter 50 again. And Chaldea shall become a plunderer and all who plunder her shall be satisfied. You will be satisfied during this time because you were, you were glad. Now he's talking to Satan. You were glad and because, because, because you were glad, because you rejoiced, you destroyers of my heritage, because you have grown fat like a high fur threshing grain and you bellow like bulls, your mother shall be deeply ashamed. She who bore you shall be ashamed. Okay? Because the wrath of the Lord, she shall not be inhabited. So he talks about Satan and his, his kingdom, completely destroyed. Put yourself against Babylon. Bend the bow. Bow. Shoot at her, spare no arrows, for she has sinned against the Lord. Okay? Take vengeance on her. Let's keep reading. Look at how Satan attacks you. First, the kingdom, king of Assyria devoured him. Now, at last, the Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, has broken his bones. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will punish the king of Babylon as I punished the king of Assyria. Okay? But I will bring Israel to her home and she, he shall feed on Carmel and Bashan. Her, his soul shall be satisfied on Ephraim and Gilead. Now we are talking about how will your soul be satisfied? Ephraim and Gilead. If Ephraim is a picture of fruitfulness, double fruitfulness. Gilead is a picture of healing. See, there are two areas in your life. If your soul does not have these two areas, your soul will never be satisfied, even though you are born again and you are going to heaven. What are the two areas? One is prosperity. Double fruitfulness is Ephraim. It's called double fruitfulness. Second is Gilead. What do you, what do you associate with Gilead? Uh, 
the balm of Gilead. What does the balm, balm of Gilead represent? Healing. The healing. So, two areas in your life. Now, you may be born again. You, you are born again. You have been born again. You are a new creation. But your soul, remember, is not fully satisfied unless two, two of your areas are, is there abundance in that. What is the two areas of abundance that the soul needs? One is double fruitfulness. That is incredible fruitfulness. Correct? Amen? Second is healing. Gilead. You have to be satisfied on both these mountains. You need to have healing. That means there should be so much supply of healing. So much supply of healing. Anytime there is an attack in your family, you should be confident at the back of your mind, what do I have? I have the balm of Gilead. I have abundant supply of balm of Gilead. You cannot say in your mind, oh, but God healed me that time. God healed me that time. But ah, this is such a small thing. I cannot keep on asking God for healing. No, 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 no. How much supply do you need? Abundant. That means there should be no doubt about it. It could be COVID. It could be COVA. It could be COVID. It could be co. <laughs> it could be any kind of sick. All kinds of names. There should be. There is enough supply for every virus. It should be enough supply for any sickness. Enough supply for all kinds of cancer. Enough supply for any arthritis. Enough supply. I mean, there should be so much abundance. That means you can always know that Mount Gilead is available. Make sense? Otherwise, your soul will never be satisfied. You'll always be in fear. And when you are in fear, you are on defensive and you will not take plunder from Satan. You agree? Okay, let's keep reading. Next, look at that verse. Remember, you see a common refrain in Zephaniah. Now look at in Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 20. Can somebody read that? Sushil? In those days and in that time, says the Lord, the iniquity of Israel shall be sought, but there shall be none. And the sins of Judah, but they shall not be found. For I will pardon those whom I preserve. Amen. Let me read this. This is, this is like gold. You can frame this in gold. You can frame this in gold. Because when Satan comes and says, you deserve this judgment, you deserve this, you deserve that. Or you say to yourself, oh, this, 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 this is going to say, take some more time in my life for it to materialize. Because I am not mature enough. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. However you couch this unbelief of yours. <laughs> and you can couch unbelief in so many eloquent languages. Nobody says, no, I am a sinner. Now they say, you know, Lord, I really need to mature more. <laughs> I'm sorry. You are perfect in Christ Jesus. You like it or not. So this is what God says. In those days and at that time. He's talking about my days and my time. Okay. Says the Lord. The iniquity of Israel shall be sought. Guys. Think about this. Read, read this. Iniquity of Israel shall be sought. Who is seeking this? Satan. Satan. And many times. God's people are seeking in themselves and in each other. Constantly finding fault with the church. Oh, the church should have done this. The church should have done this. <laughs> I know during this time of all this tension and 
so much of evil in the world, you know, all kinds of oppression, we, we call for justice. I agree, we should call for justice. But remember, when you call for justice, it's a double-edged sword. Because Satan loves justice. That's his pet pew. He loves justice because he can use justice against you. You got it? So always be led by the Spirit. Move in love. You know, and operate in love. Don't be quick to ask for justice without being led by the Spirit. Very important, right? The ultimate justice is in the price that Jesus paid. You Remember, this is... If you, if you don't receive the slain son of the father, you will always be sacrificing your sons and daughters on some altar. It's amazing. This is what Ravi Zacharias had met with his uh, uh, with uh, the, the leader of Hamas in uh, Jerusalem. I think he's not the leader of Hamas. Yeah, I think he was not Hamas. Sorry. He was not the founder of Hamas. He's one of the founders of Hamas. And he was having a conversation and he's saying how the Palestinians are good and the Jews are evil and they are persecuting each other. And finally he said, uh, Rabbi Zechariah turned towards him and said, he said, not very far from here, on this mount in Moriah, 2,000 years back, Jesus, God supplied his son to die. If you don't receive that sacrifice, you and I will all be offering our sons on the sacrifice. I agree? So it's very important that we receive the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we encourage people, say, look away from the evilness of man. Man is deceitful above all things. Our sins, if we, are, we, if we look at ourselves, we have we got so much of evil in ourselves apart from Christ in Jesus in Jesus. So what we need to declare is, I find no sin in you. First, remove that. I find no fault in you. And then we can operate out of this great love towards each other. Amen? Do you agree with that? The iniquity of Israel shall be sought. See, who is seeking this? Satan. He will use people to seek it in your life and bring up hate or bring up against anger against you. But remember, it is never, we don't battle against principalities and powers. We battle against, sorry, we, bat, we don't battle against flesh and blood. What do we battle against? We battle against principalities and powers. And who is seeking out the iniquity? Satan. The iniquity of Israel shall be sought, but they shall not, there shall be none. <laughs> is that good news? Jair, that God finds no fault in you? Yes. No fault in you. He says, there shall be fault. They might find fault in you. They will look it, search it out. And they will bring Satan and all his armies will try to seek it out. But it shall not be found. And the sins of Judah, but they shall not be found. Because what will I do? Look at this verse. Pardon those. I will pardon those whom I preserve. Have you ever read that verse before? It's such a beautiful verse. That means, who, is the, who are the ones who are preserved right now? The church. But what is the, what is the, what, why do you think you are preserved? Let me ask you a question. We are in Christ. I agree. But what is the reason that you are preserved? We're righteous. Correct. Because you are pardoned constantly. 
See, you, you can only be preserved if judgments cannot come on you. Make sense? Judgments cannot come on you is if you are perfect all the time. But you are not perfect all the time because you are constantly messing up. So what does God have to do? He has to, he has to constantly pardon those whom I preserve. He's constantly pardoning you. His blood is constantly cleansing you. He keeps you constantly perfect. You got it? So Satan has no access to you. Okay, keep reading. I, I'm so excited about this chapter, but look at, th this is not even the best part. Then he says, a sound of battle is in the land and of great destruction. Look at what happened. This is what happened on the cross. How the hammer of the whole earth has been cut apart and broken. See, that's what happened at the cross. The hammer of the whole earth has been cut apart. Satan was the great hammer that, uh, that, he, uh, that was, use, was being used as a weapon against God's people. But look at what God did. I have laid a snare for you. You have been trapped to Babylon and you were not aware. Remember what happened? He killed Jesus, the righteous son. <laughs> he was trapped. You have been found and you have been caught because you have contended against the Lord. He didn't realize that when he was fighting, when he killed Jesus, that he was now killing God himself. And that's what happened. Then God had a just way to open his armory and bring the weapons of his indignation for this is the work of the Lord of hosts in the land of Chaldeans. Come against her from the farthest border, open her storehouses, cast her up as heaps of Ru ruins and destroy her utterly let nothing of her be left okay keep reading there are so many verses I'm trying to see which was to focus on Okay, read this verse, uh, Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 41. Behold, a people shall come from the north, a great nation, and many kings shall be raised up from the ends of the earth. They, he's talking about the church. They shall hold the bow and lance. They are cruel. They shall show no mercy. What is your posture against the kingdom of darkness? No mercy. No mercy. There is, you don't show no mercy to him. Remember, that's why you remember uh, Paul and the apostles when they were encountered unclean spirits. That was the clearest manifestation of evil at that point of time. What did they do? Did they negotiate with those unclean demons? No. No mercy. Come out of him. Cast them out. There is no mercy. See, the church posture with the kingdom of darkness is they shall sh show no mercy. They shall show no mercy. They are cruel. And they shall know mercy. Have you ever heard of the church being cruel? Here it is. They are cruel against Satan and his kingdom. And the powers of darkness. You show no mercy. Why? Look at the next verse. This is what Satan thinks of you. Who is the king of Babylon? Satan. That principality. The king of Babylon has heard the report about them. Who is them? The church. And his hands grow feeble. Anguish has taken hold of him. 
thanks as a woman in childbirth. <laughs> when you pray, when you declare, you know, you, you know, you know, Alkesh and Manisha, you have a reputation in King, Satan's kingdom. Do you know you have a reputation? This is the reputation. King, the king of Babylon has heard the report about y'all both. And his hands go feeble. Anguish has taken hold of him. Pangs as of a woman in childbirth. Remember that when the sons of Skeva were trying, out, were trying to cast out demons out from a man. And they, they were not even born again. What did the demons say to the sons of Skeva? They were trying to cast out demons in the name of the Jesus and Paul. Correct? So what did the demons come out and say? Paul, Jesus I know and Paul I know. But who are you? Who are you? See, Satan and his kingdom knows about Paul. They know about Jesus. They both have a reputation. And they are afraid of both the names. But they don't care for anybody else who is not born again. They say, who are you? See, but, but against you, the king of Babylon has heard the report about them and his hands grow feeble. He's so afraid of you. He's so afraid of you. Now, couple this with the fact that your God has called you to go ahead and plunder him by asking. Now you know why he has to give everything that he has. Why? No, but why is he giving? <laughs> yeah, actually, there is a very simple reason for him. Because his hands are feeble. His hands are feeble. <laughs> there, there is no great theology behind all this. He is just so afraid of y'all guys. I mean, he's he's he marvels that you have not you have not appeared at his door earlier than before. He's like. What is taking the church so long? <laughs> you have a reputation. Remember when Israel after 40 years actually entered the promised land and Rahab met them. What did Rahab tell the spy, uh, Joshua and Caleb? People are trembling. The people are trembling here. They all have a reputation and we don't know why you all never came into the city. <laughs> they were afraid. 40 years they got a break from Israel. You know, they could have been plundered day three from the journey from Israel, from Egypt. But 40 years, these guys were afraid to enter the land of whom were afraid of them. Interesting. Satan is afraid. What's that? They're, they're, af they're afraid of each other. It's like, it's like, I, I, I don't think there's a comparison. Like, really? You finally show up? At least now show up right now, right? God is asking you for the greatest transfer of the resources in the history of mankind. And he's, he's saying, I want you to partake in it by pure asking. Because... The guy on the other hand, other side of the door is what? Feeble. 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 Anguish has taken hold of him. 
pangs as a woman in childbirth. He's like, he, <laughs> this is how Satan is. And every man of God who had a vision that God, Jesus has given a vision of Satan and the unclean spirits, there's a consistent theme. What is a consistent theme? They're always covering in fear from them. Squirming away from the believer. That's the real picture. Look at what he says. Look at the next verse is so powerful. Behold, see, he, who is this he? Satan and his kingdom and his princes. He shall come like a lion. Remember the, 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 the Satan, your enemy, your adversary roams about like a lion. Here is a picture. He comes up like a lion from the floodplain of the Jordan. What? Where, so now you know where he hangs around. Jair, where is he hanging around? Jordan. The floodplain of the Jordan. Why the floodplain of the Jordan? Jordan is death. Why on the floodplain? See, have you ever been on a floodplain of a river? Do people ever build houses on a floodplain? Even though, even though the land is dry and everything looks perfect and there's water at a distance and there is uh, fertile soil, do you ever build a house on a floodplain? No. no. Do you ever live on a floodplain? No. No. Can you... Intentional huh? Not intentionally. Not intentionally, correct? Yes. Correct. Why? What is the reason? Because it could flood. It could flood. So, so the power of the floodplain is not that there is flood right now, but in the, in the threat of floods. Right. You got it? So Satan lives in that plain. He lives on the plane of death with the threat of death. You got it? That's where he lives. This lion lives there. Jordan is a picture of death. Jordan, that's why Jesus went and baptized in the Jordan, which is a picture of his death. We were baptized in Jordan. Jordan means death in the Bible. So Jordan is death. So he lives using the fear of death against you. Amen? Okay, that's how he always had his power. He's always threatening the world with COVID, with this plague, with job insecurity, with everything. He's always trying to finally get to saying that, hey, you will die. Correct? That's what he lives. That's how he gets his power. He lives. He lives as a lion on the floodplain of the Jordan. But guess what? You know, there's a verse in the Bible. The Jordan always overflows in banks at this time of the year. Have you read that verse? Yes, you've read that verse. That's because Jordan would overflow its banks. That's why people were afraid of the Jordan. Jordan looks very ordinary, but when it overflows its banks, it is very dangerous. So Satan uses death against the believer all the time. So what is it? Let's read this verse again. This is very important. Behold, he shall come up like a lion from the floodplain of the Jordan against the dwelling place of the strong. He comes from the floodplain of the Jordan, but against the church. We are the dwelling place of the strong. But I will make them, that means Satan and his kingdom, suddenly run away from her. Who is the her? The church. And who is the chosen man that I may appoint over her? Who is like me? Who will arraign me? 
who is that shepherd who will withstand me? He's saying, who will defend you? Let me give you an answer. Why don't you choose me? I am the guy who's going to decide, uh, defend you. See, Satan cannot come against you, for he will make them suddenly run away from her. So resist him. Resist him. Don't let your soul be moved by what you hear. You, be, you, you know that his, his legs are feeble, that he is afraid of you, and he is, therefore you can take authority against him, and he will suddenly make them run away from her. Okay, keep reading the next verse. Look at what he says. Who, among the believers, who can take him out? The righteous. How righteous? Look at the verse, verse 45. Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 45. Therefore hear the counsel of the Lord that he has taken against Babylon and his purposes uh, that he has purposed against the land of Chaldean. This is God's plan against the kingdom of darkness. Surely the least of the flock shall draw them out. I mean, you are just born again? You are just born again? I mean, he doesn't even, God doesn't even send the most mature guys out against Satan. He's like, what? The, the least of the flock shall draw him out. That means you are just born again like five minutes back. You can use the name of Jesus Amen. and take him out. What are you waiting for? What are you afraid of? The least of the flock shall draw them out. Surely he will make their dwelling place desolate. And he concludes, Jeremiah chapter 50 concludes in this. Let's read this. At the noise of the taking of Babylon. Remember the chapter started by saying, don't hide this fact. What is the fact? Babylon is taken. Babylon is taken. Guys, Satan and his kingdom has been taken. You own it. You own his kingdom. There is always at some point in the message where I, my pitch goes into high pitch. <laughs> so I think, I think this is the place, but I'm going to, Milu says, don't screech, okay? Just preach. <laughs> but, okay, but, but you cannot but help, but be excited about this. He says, at the noise of the taking of Babylon, the earth trembles. Did that happen? When? When Jesus died on the cross, there was an earthquake. At the earthquake. See, nobody saw what was happening in the spirit realm. In the spirit realm, what had just happened? Babylon was taken. Babylon was taken. Remember, he was, Babylon was trapped by killing the righteous man. What a plan of God. What an amazing plan of God. The moment they, they crucified Jesus... The moment it did that, Babylon was taken. Babylon was taken. At the noise of the taking of Babylon, the earth trembled. Do you know that earthquake was heard around the world when Jesus died? What was that earthquake? Because in the, the whole kingdom of Satan, ever since Adam sinned, and ever since even before when he was cast out from heaven and he was cast out of the earth, remember? Hey, by the way, God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth 
and the earth was void and darkness was on the face of the deep. That means earth was created far long ago when heavens were created. And there was a big period of time after Satan had fallen and he had come on earth and he started destroying the earth. Remember, he, God doesn't create darkness and chaos and disorder. That means he came and created all this on the earth. So earth has been waiting since that day. And finally that day happened. Repentance, Zephaniah says, the Lord says, wait for me. I know he is oppressing you, but wait for me. Wait for me. He's telling Moses, I know your people are sinful, but wait for me. He told Isaiah, wait for me. Jeremiah, wait for me. Wait for me. Finally, when did the day happen? When Jesus died. At the noise of the taking of Babylon, the earth trembles and the cry is heard among the nations. In the nations. So all among the nations now, the, all the principalities and powers of darkness in every, in India, China, all the nations, all the Gentile nations, all the principalities. Remember in every Gentile country, there's a principality that rules over that place. When that happened in Jerusalem, who the Mayan Empire, the Inca Empire, the, the Wu Dynasty, the all, all over the world, the kingdoms fell. All over the world, the kingdoms fell. The cry was heard in Satan's kingdom. At the taking of Babylon, the earth trembled. Are you excited about this? Amen. At Jeremiah chapter 50, have you ever read Jeremiah 50 like this before? I want you to look, go back and read this because it's about the church. It's not about a king, a kingdom in the past, about Babylon. He's not talking about that king. That's why in Revelation he says, Babylon is fallen, it's fallen. Do you remember that same verse? Because he's talking about Satan and his kingdom. He's not talking about a Babylon in Iraq. Not really. He's not talking about, it's all a type of, the real Babylon, the real king of Babylon. Amen? Are you, are you, are you glad? Let's, let's look at this. Look at when David killed Goliath in, uh, uh, David killed Goliath. What did David do with the head of Goliath? Look at this verse. First Samuel chapter 17 verse 54. And David took the head of Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem. Why would David take the head of Goliath and bring it to Jerusalem? Public display. Public display. <laughs> Public. <laughs> I don't think this is even kosher today, right? You, 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 don't, you don't do these kind of things. But this is how God looks at the church. Because who? where is the church right now? Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, in heavenly Jerusalem, where is the head displayed? In Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, because God wants it not to be concealed. How does this Jeremiah chapter 50 starts? Do not conceal this fact that Babylon is taken. Do not conceal the fact that the king of Babylon shakes in his pants. Do not conceal this fact that he is feeble. Do not conceal this fact that he is being taken. How many times have you heard this preaching? <laughs> the Satan is powerful. Satan is strong. We have to come against him with mighty weapons. No! 
can draw him out. <laughs> Don't conceal the fact. So, but what does he do with the armor of Goliath? Armor is the Goli armor of Goliath was used to persecute Israel. Correct? Yes. So, what did David do with the armor of Goliath? Armor is the weapons of Goliath. What does God, what does he do? He rejected them. Not really. He puts it in his tent. That means, did he put it up for public display? No. He put it in his tent. That means he kept it in him. The tent in the Bible is always a picture of his body. That means he paid the price of the weapons of Satan in his body. So he took all the weapons that were meant for you and he became like the suicide bomber. Or I, That's not even a good word. What do you call like suppose you had a field full of mines and you had to clear the mines. Many times what they would do is they would send prisoners of war to push them to go on the mines so that they will be blown up and so that they can walk on them. You got it? So, so yeah, like human shield. So what Jesus did was took all the armor of Satan and took it on himself in his body. So that the church doesn't have to study about the armor of Satan. <laughs> it's like 13 lessons on how Satan defeats you. 45, I have a one month Bible study on how Satan uh, attacks you. I don't need to know the deep things of Satan. In fact, God, uh, Jesus said in Revelation to one of the churches, there are many in your church who talk that they know the deep things of Satan. <laughs> it's like... You know, they had a reputation in that church. Did you know that? There's a church in Revelation that Jesus says, you all boast in the fact that you know the deep things of Satan. Duh! You don't need to know all that. I put it in my tent because the weapons, no weapon formed against you shall prosper because I put it on my body. But I definitely want you to know one thing. And what is that? Yes, but with, with respect to what David, David did, his head has been cut off. So when you're hearing the roar of the Satan, what are you hearing the roar of? A headless monster. <laughs> headless monster. <laughs> so it's like a head that is speaking to you. Sorry, JR. Yeah, go ahead. You're saying something. No, okay. You just bent forward. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Let the head speak. Okay. <laughs> Rated R for violence. Rated R for violence. Okay. But that's what he said. The head has been cut off. Look at what, what the church does right now. The church hides the fact that Satan's head has been cut off and preaches about his great authority and power. Opposite. So the armor is displayed, but the head is hidden. God says, hold on, do the opposite. Preach to the church. The head is cut off and hide the weapons in the body of Jesus Christ. That he has paid the price. You don't have to pay the price. You got it? God, Zephaniah chapter 3 verse, I want you to underline that. If you have not already underlined Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 15. Can everybody underline that? 
in your Bible. If you ever get it, just underline it. Use it in your sickness, in your disease, in, in, a, in business, in lawsuits, in any area of your life. Write it. Highlight it. Write it. Highlight it. Put it in the face of Satan. W- what is it? Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 15. The Lord has taken away my judgments. He's cast out my enemy. The king of Israel, the Lord is in my, is in my midst. I shall see disaster no more. Wow. Four big statements. He cannot touch you. You got it? Okay. So where are we? 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 54. Okay. Still, still dwelling on the posture of the church towards Satan. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 37. 37 verse 21. Then Isaiah the son of Amos said to Hezekiah, because, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Because you have prayed to me against Sennacherib king of Assyria. Again, a picture of Satan. By the way, this king's statue is in the British Museum. If you ever do go to British Museum in London, you should actually visit the section called Sennacherib, the king of Assyria. This is the guy who boasted against Hezekiah, saying, I'm going to destroy you. And God completely destroyed him, destroyed his armies in one night without fighting. Wow. And this is a historical picture. It's a historical figure. This is what God says. Now, he's a picture of Satan. Says. Because he was boasting against him. He says, thus says the Lord God of, uh, this is the word of the Lord that has spoken concerning Satan or concerning the king of Assyria. The virgin, look at the church, again shows up. The virgin, the daughter of Zion, again, it's a lady. It's, it's the church. What did she do to you? <laughs> she, this is so good. I love this. The, this is what the church is supposed to do to Satan. The virgin, the daughter of Zion has despised you. Laughed you to scorn. Laughed at you. The daughter of Zion has shaken her head behind your back. (laughs) I mean, there cannot be a greater insult to somebody when you shake your head behind somebody's back. Because you're saying, you are saying all these things when you have no power. (laughs) What's that again? Jyotsna, you're saying something? No, no, I was talking to Mikhil, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Okay. Since th- this is the posture that the church has. Look at how this, the daughter of uh, Zion despises Satan and his kingdom. Laughed you to scorn. How can you laugh? Because he, she has no, this guy has no power. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. If a headless head shows up at your door telling he has, he has power against you, you're like, you'll call your wife and say, look, what a joke it is. What a Halloween joke. I mean, seriously, what power do you have? You don't have any hands. You don't have any legs. You don't have any armor. You just have a loud mouth and an empty head. I mean, this is what the church is supposed to do. The daughter of Jerusalem has shaken her head behind your back. Shaken your head. Means totally skeptical of whatever Satan is telling you. 
very skeptical. In fact, he, she is so skeptical about it, he, she laughs at him. This is what the Lord did for, for a time. There was a period of time, I think it was in early 80s or 70s and uh, 80s. I think Alkesh and Manisha was there during the move in Tulsa, right? Kenneth Hagen Church and all. There was a huge moment of laughter in the spirit of God would just come upon people and they would just laugh. Because God was saying, the church is not laughing. They are afraid. They are weak. They are, and the, people started just laughing without any reason. And you have see, you can go and see the videos about it. Just the joy of the Lord. <laughs> and a and, and, and lot of people were delivered. The people were delivered out of sickness, disease, some incredible things. When people just, believers just started laughing. You got it? But you'll say, but hey, and people thought that's a cult. No! It's biblical. Isaiah chapter 37 verse 22. If the church is not doing this, that's unbiblical. Right. You got it? In fact, you're supposed to laugh so much. <laughs> like, you never laugh at somebody to scorn. What does that mean? Bobby? If you laugh at them, to scorn them. Laugh at them so much that they feel so insulted. Have you ever laughed at somebody that somebody says, please have mercy on me, don't laugh at me? You never laugh at that level. This is how the church posture is towards Satan. I just want you to get this picture of what Jesus has accomplished for you. Amen? Because look at what he says. Continuing the verse. Whom have you reproached and blasphemed? He's saying to Satan, who, who, how dare you say that to John? How dare you say that to Jotsna? How dare have you say that to Millie? How dare you say that to Sushil? Who have you reproached and blasphemed? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted up your eyes on high? Against the Holy One of Israel? See, whatever he does to you is now personal to Jesus. Like when Saul was trying to persecute the church, what did Jesus show up to, uh, showed up in a vision to Paul and said what? Why are you persecuting the church? He didn't say that. He didn't say that, why are you persecuting the church? He said, why are you persecuting me? Man, this is personal. At this point of time, your battle with Satan is a personal battle in which Jesus is vested. Remember, who shall array himself on behalf of the church? He says, why, why don't you choose me? I am the guy. I am the man. Wow. Okay, so, again, he, uh, in Ezekiel chapter 34, he declares uh, Je uh, Je Jesus as the Lord as a shepherd. And you can read that, and I'm going to not go there, but I want to bring up one place, uh, read this verse. Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 12. Look at this. He's talking about how he's now become a good shepherd. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on a day and he is among his scattered sheep, so he'll seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places they were scattered on a cloud, cloudy and a dark day. On a cloudy and a dark day. He always delivers you when the day is cloudy and dark, when it all seems as if it is hopeless. And then what he will do? He'll bring them out and I will feed them in their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel. That's where we are. Okay? Look at the next verse. I will feed them in a good pasture. 
Look at the word. And their fold shall be on the high mountains of Israel. Where are you located right now? We went through this. Location, location, location. Mount Zion. Mount Zion, the high mountains of Israel. See, that's where we are. We are not only on a good pasture, but we are on a very high mountain where Satan cannot access. You got it? See, our location is very important. We are in a high place. They shall lie down in a good fold and feed in a rich pasture. So what is the description of the pasture? Good, high, and rich. Good, high, and rich. And look at what he says. I will feed my flock and I will make them lie down. That means you will sit. You will sit down. Okay. And look at look at this ways. I will make a covenant of peace with them and cause the wild beasts to cease from their land. Who is this wild beast? That means Satan and his kingdom cannot touch you. They will dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. Let me ask you a question. How confident are you to sleep in a forest infested with wild beasts? Okay, let's hear from Manohar. Manohar, you can unmute yourself to hear. No, I'm not confident on it. <laughs> <You're not> confident. <laughs> what I'm saying is, but, but when, when will you be confident? Under what circumstance will you be confident? I mean, if, uh, if, the, if I find something uh, is not, not harming anything surrounded surrounding me, so then I will feel safe there. Safe there. Okay. Let me, let me answer this question. You will, you, if, if you know that you're in a forest and there are wild beasts all around, which is where you are in this world. You are in this world and there are all kinds of wild beasts around you. Satan and his powers and demons are all around you. Correct? Why should you, how can you sleep? You can only sleep if you know that he has no authority over you. Amen? <laughs> Right. There you go. He says, the, the Lord will do that. The Lord will do that. Okay. The Lord will do that. I will make them and all the places around my hill a blessing. And this I want you to know. Look, I, I want you to know this verse. Ezekiel chapter 34 verse 28. They shall... Now, this is what, again, say. this is again the kingdom of darkness and the church. He says, unlike the world... They shall no longer be a prey for the nations, nor shall the beasts of the land devour them, but they shall dwell safely and no one shall make them afraid. No one shall make them afraid. You shall not be afraid. You have to get this in your spirit. That nobody shall make them afraid. Okay. And I will close with, uh, there's a lot of passages, but I want you to close with this. But I like the fact that you focus on this one aspect. That you have complete and total supply with this great father and with this great God. I want you to go to, and we'll close with this. Uh, let's take John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Verse 20. John chapter 12, verse 20. This is the event that happened. 
John chapter 12, verse 20. Now, this is after Jesus, this is after Jesus comes into uh, Jerusalem and he's, uh, he, he comes as a king. Because look, uh, John chapter 12, it says, and, and the next day, uh, John chapter 12, verse 12, the next day a great multitude that had come to the feast and they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. So right now he's come as a king, correct? So, so guess what happens? Now the Greeks and some of the uh, noble people among the Jews, they come and they come to Philip in verse 21 and they say, verse 21, and the, uh, verse 20, it says, Now there were certain Greeks among them who came to worship at the feast. And when they came to Philip, they, they, which was from Bethsaida of Galilee, they asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip came and said, told Andrew. And in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. Now, this is like a great reputation. Like Jesus is not famous in Israel. Uh, he is like a king. So everybody wants to meet him. But let me ask you a question. Uh, at Jesus at this point of time has come as a king into Jerusalem. But at this point of time, there is already a kingdom in Jerusalem. What is that kingdom? Roman. The Roman Empire. The Roman Empire is ruling at that time. But So he is now come as a king. That means what is about to happen? War. 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 What is going to happen, correct? So, but people are focusing, what is this king going to do to which kingdom? The Roman. the Roman kingdom. So there is this great expectation that he's now the king of Israel. So he's now going to destroy the Roman kingdom because Jesus has the power at this point of time. He has shown that because nobody can kill him. In fact, he, he people who are killed or dead, he can raise them up. How, how do you beat that? How do you beat that? So... So, so now they are getting ready for warfare. So is Jesus getting ready for warfare at this point of time? Yes or no? Yes. 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 Because he is now a king. The moment you become a king, you are responsible for whom? The kingdom. The kingdom. So all the people's security is dependent upon whom? The king. So if you defeat the king, guess what? The kingdom is defeated. But if you defeat the other kingdom, who gets to plunder? The new kingdom. The new kingdom. All the people of the new kingdom. But who does the hard work? King. The king does the hard work. <laughs> it is good to be king. <laughs> but... You have to pay the price. You have to go before. So it's great for glory. So when the moment they anointed Jesus king. See until this point Jesus was not a king. Who was Jesus in Israel? Prophet. A prophet or a great teacher or a rabbi. But the moment he entered Jerusalem and they declared Jesus king. Now 
Jesus becomes responsible for all of Israel. Like when Israel was about attacking the Philistines, the Philistines had a deal. They said, why don't you choose one of yours and we will choose one of ours. Was it a good idea from the Philistine standpoint? Yes. It looked like a good idea, but it didn't turn out to be a good idea. No. No. Why? Because they underestimated what God is going to do through David. David. But it was a deal. It was a deal. The moment Israel said, David will go for us. So who will fight? David will fight. Who will not fight? Rest of the rest of Israel will not fight. See, that's the key. This is what this is the dynamic that is happening at this point of time. The moment Jesus is king, now Israel is now dependent on Jesus to win the battle. But now he's declared himself king. So obviously, which kingdom is he now going to what is on his mind? Which kingdom is on his his mind? Babylon. Babylon. See, they can't see it, but he can see it. His father has sent him and he lived 33 years for this very day for him to fight this battle. Correct? He's mature right now. He's full-blown man, a righteous man, tempted in every way, righteous in every way, proved in every way. Now he's perfect to represent Israel. Wow. So now, so people are now like, he's a king. Let's fight. Let's, uh, let, let's court influence with him. So the Greeks are now coming. Philip, you know Jesus. Come, introduce us to Jesus. But what is on Jesus' mind at this point of time? War. War. <laughs> Easy for you to watch the show, but I am the guy in the arena, Right? It's great to be in the show. I mean, it, it's great to watch a great fight. Why? Because we are not in the fight. <laughs> it's great to go to Vegas and watch a great boxing fight because you are not in the ring. Correct? That's why it's great fun. But for the guy who is in the ring, he doesn't know whether he'll get out of that alive. It's not a show for him. But at this point of time, Jesus is thinking what? Warfare. Look at, look at what he says. Let's keep reading. This is exciting. Stay with me. But Jesus answered him. What an odd reply to somebody who wants to meet him. The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. So everybody says, yes, 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 yes. That means the Greeks, <laughs> the Greeks, once the Greeks recognize Jesus, means Jesus is also okay with this deal. Means Jesus is going to become popular in Israel. Because the Greeks are looking for him. So, G- and so they, are, they are thinking, yes, Jesus is also on board with the same deal. He's going to be glorified. That means he's going to become famous. He's going to have a good opinion. Let's look at words. But, he, but what does Jesus have in mind? His sense, his glory is what? Look at his glory. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, he remains alone. And if it dies, it produces much grain. What an odd parable. Because he's talking how he's going to win this war. He will win this war by dying. Wow. 
What a concept. But this is what he did. And he says that he loves his life will lose it. Okay. Look at what he says. Now he's talking to the father. This is the battle about to start. Now this is crucial. Now he has to decide. Jesus has to decide. If I have to defeat the king of Babylon, what do I have to do? I have to be the bait. I have to offer myself as a helpless bait to Satan. I have to be the victim and I have to get him to kill me. But on a legal basis. You got it? Without me committing a crime or without me deceiving him, I have to be killed by him. But I don't want to be killed because I am going to be separated from my father. I am going to go to hell. I am going to suffer. I don't want to be separated from my father. Look at the dichotomy that he has at this point of time. He says, my soul is troubled. Now, see the question of the soul that suddenly shows up? Because the soul, the price for your soul is now paid. Is getting ready to be paid. What he says, father save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. And then he says, Father, glorify your name. And a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Then the people who stood by heard it and it thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. And Jesus said, this voice did not come for my sake. Let me ask you a question. Jesus asks, says something one very specific. He says, he says to the father, I know you're a mature believers, right? Let's, let's dig in a little deep out here. What he's saying is, Father, glorify your name. What is he asking the father? Uh, so he's in plain, in plain English, in plain English, yeah, sorry, Jair? Um, okay, no, but he's not asking about him. He's saying, Father, glorify your name. Means basically he's saying, it's like telling JR, why don't you, why don't you share everybody? Why don't you tell everybody that what I'm about to do is not my idea, it is your idea. Because when, when, when I, when they see what I did and what I go through and what I suffer and what I price I paid, they will think how great I am, how loving I am, how merciful I, how merciful, okay, how merciful I am. You got it? You got the picture? So, I want them to know that this great act is your plan. It's your decision to send the son into the world. It shows how loving you are, how merciful you are. Whoever sends a son to die into this world, into a world that does not want, even want to receive him, who has never asked for it, never planned for it, never worked for it, who is no, there's no guarantee that anybody will even receive this sacrifice why don't you why don't you why don't you tell them that it is your idea lord so that they will know how great and merciful you are 
So it is not Isaac who paid the price. It is the father Abraham who was willing to sacrifice his son who showed how much he loves you. You got the picture? So he's saying, Father, let see how possessive the fa- Jesus is that the Father gets the glory out of this. So guess what? How does God answer that prayer? Let's read this. Therefore, look at the word therefore. That means now God is answering, uh, sorry, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it. I have both glorified it. How? By Jesus talking about his father all the time. He is the one who sent me. He is the one who sent me. He's glorified it. He gave Jesus the words to speak to the people. Remember Jesus said, all the words that I have is not mine, but my father's. In fact, at one point, he says, I have a lot of things to tell you about. (laughs) He told the Pharisees, and this is so amazing. He said, I have a lot of things. To, I, I, I really want to give you a piece of my mind. But I can only say the words that the Father has given me. <laughs> he, said, he, said, he, he actually said that. He said, if you really want to know what I think of you. But my Father does not allow me. My Father only gives, I only say the words that my Father says. So what did they hear? They heard words of comfort. So that's how the father glorified because the father glory gave the words to Jesus to say to the world. So you got it? So the father was glorified by what Jesus said about the father, by what Jesus did in the name of the father. So when he healed, it was not Jesus healing. It was who healing? It was the father healing through the son. You got it? So if somebody sends, uh, like Alkesh sends me an uh, iPad. Al- Alkesh, that's a nice idea. If you send me an iPad <laughs> through Amazon, correct? Am I so happy with Amazon or am I happy with Alkesh? Alkesh. Alkesh. It is not the one who delivered the iPad that I'm happy with. I'm not walking outside the door and kissing his feet. The guy, I don't even bother to even open the door. He just leaves it out there. I'm not going, calling back, oh, I, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm so thankful for you to give me this iPad. It's a total insult. He's like, seriously, did you know the sender? The sender is not me. That's why Jesus was constantly, if you look at, do a, do a quick search in your Bible, whatever Bible you use, uh, uh, e-Bible, Bible Hub, Gateway Bible, Google the word sent in John. How many times Jesus tries to make the point, says, the father sent me, the father sent me. He's like constantly telling, hey, I'm just the Amazon delivery guy. Alkesh is the guy who sent me. You got it? Or my father is the one who sent me. It's constantly, constantly reminding because he wants the father to get the glory. You got it? So look at what he says. Then a voice came from heaven Saying what? I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. So the father is saying, now physically, audibly, he tells the, the Jews, this is amazing. They actually hear the voice of Father God for the first time. Wow. 
can you hear the voice of God physically? Correct? Physically. Let me ask you, let me ask you a question. Did it help or it did not help? It did. <laughs> it did not help. Look at what he says. Look, so it proves my point. Your soul can never be satisfied by what you hear and what what by your physical voices, by what your eyes see. It can never be satisfied. It, it can only be satisfied by words that the Lord Jesus gives. That's why he says, flesh profits nothing. My word, my, my words, they are spirit, they are life. You cannot, if you want Jesus to show up or the Father God to show up. No, this is Father God physically speaking from heaven about his son. And they say what? Therefore, the people who stood by heard it and said, it thundered. <laughs> It thundered. Might rain. It might rain, maybe in another hour. Looks like it thundered. It's like, my goodness, this has never happened in history. God the Father is now spoken. And what did he speak? Did he speak words? What did he speak? Did he speak words? Yes. Okay, how many of you all have a red letter Bible? Right? Mm -hmm. Okay. What do you see in that verse? What is read and what is not? Father's words are in black. Black. Jesus' words are in red. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what? Now there is there is a problem. Correct? The father's words are not in red. Because it was the father who spoke that. Straight from heaven. My goodness, I would mark it blue, green, orange, highlighted for the father spoke something. What color will you give it? What color will you give those words? This is the father speaking. But what is the response to the father speaking? And did the father speak in, in the language that they could understand? Yes. He was very clear. He said, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Okay? Let's see the response. Therefore, the people who stood by heard it and said, it thundered. Others said, has angel has spoken to him? I mean, like, totally of no use to them. I mean, this, like, remember, you remember this, uh, you remember this example. This is not an example. This is a real incident of a rich man and a beggar named Lazarus, a rich man, uh, uh, we don't know his name, but a beggar named Lazarus was laid at his uh, uh, mansion, at his gates of his mansion, and they both go to, they both die. One goes to uh, Abraham's bosom and other goes to hell. In fact, there's an interesting video on YouTube, The Rich Man and Lazarus. Uh, I, I don't know whether you've seen it. It is, it is by Crown Financial Ministries, uh, but they have put a video. It's an amazing video. They've actually replicated the scene of the rich man in Lazarus and uh, uh, rich, sorry, rich man in Hades and Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. Beautiful rendition of that video. Powerful. This is what he says. Once he realizes that he cannot get over to that side and Lazarus cannot get over to this side, he says, why don't you send Lazarus from the dead 
to my brothers because if they see him they will believe so uh, abraham says they have moses and the prophets let them hear him them but then the rich man says no no abraham no father abraham if they see somebody rise from the dead they will believe but abraham says if they don't hear moses and the prophets they will not believe even if somebody rises from the dead that means whatever your soul your eyes can see your ears can physically hear it is not going to satisfy your soul it's not going to satisfy your soul and then jesus says the statement he says this voice did not come for my sake see this is not jesus asking the father to tell something about him it's come for your sake and look at the next verse what does it say now is the judgment of this world remember what happened now you know jeremiah chapter 50 is about to take place now is the judgment of the world now the ruler of the world will be cast out okay wow you got the connection now Now this is the victory this is the ruler which ruler is this satan himself now but how is he going to do it look at the next verse if i be lifted up from the earth i will draw all there is this peoples is not there it's in italics in your bible correct yes correct because it's added it's not italics if i be lifted up from the earth which is a picture of if i be crucified because they, everybody knew when you use the word that terminology i be lifted up like in today somebody says if you kick the bucket means what you die you die so everybody knew if everybody knew if i say i will not kick the bucket right i'm going to be here till jesus comes <laughs> i'm kicking no bucket okay what <laughs> <laughs> saying is everybody knows you all laughed because you all knew i'm not talking about some bucket correct so so when jesus used the word i be lifted up all the jews knew what he's talking about because it was because it was a colloquial in those days i be lifted up it's like you know uh, uh it'd be like uh, zechariah got lifted up man last week is <laughs> what he got he got crucified by the romans you got it so jesus is using the word now very important for you to understand if i be lifted up or i be crucified what will happen i will draw to myself i will draw all to myself so what will he draw all to myself come on what will he who said that sushil jr did you say judgments no no okay he beat me to it he beat me to it okay <laughs> remember the heart the heart of everything is judgments yeah. if he can be remember he said look at the previous verse look at very clear what does he say what is now what is now judgment judgment now not when jesus comes back again 2000 2000 years later when when is judgment now now when now when because now he's going to pay the price now is the judgment I thought he came to judge the world. He didn't come to judge the world. He is so who is getting judged in the who is the subject of the judgment in this case? 
Satan. Satan is not getting judged. We are getting judged. Correct? And he is offering himself as the object of the judgment. He is the object. He is providing a target for the judgment. How does he become a target for the judgment? By drawing all judgment towards him. How? By See, there was a law. This is amazing. And I've shared this in the live team once long before. How do you draw curses to yourself without breaking the law? By being hung on a tree. Yes! See, God had put this technicality in the law. This is an amazing plan of God. He said, whoever hangs on a tree will be, will be cursed. It has nothing to do on what they did. What was that provision meant for? It was meant as a secret weapon trap for Satan. Kept there so that a righteous man who's hanged by anybody else suddenly attracts the curse of all the world. And yet, he is not bearing the curse because of some breaking of the law. So when you're hanged on the cross, is the man who hangs on the cross breaking the law? Because he has nothing to do. Right? He's hanged. He's not hanging himself. Jesus did not hang himself like Judas did. Correct? So Judas, the curse came upon him legitimately or without basis? Legitimately. Because he hanged himself. But Jesus, what does it say? Look at what he says. If I lift myself up or if I am lifted up. I am lifted up. If I am lifted up, I will draw all judgments to myself because he was righteous and he was, uh, he became, because remember he, is, he was just before this chapter, he was declared king. So what does a king represent? He represents the sum total of all the good or the sum total of all the evil of his kingdom. Yes. So he became a king. So he became responsible. So when, so when you hang the king, the king is responsible for the people. So all the people's sickness and curses and disease and judgments now comes upon Jesus. Now the judgment. That is why in Zephaniah it says, now the judgments have been taken away. You got the picture? There you go. And this he said by signifying by what death he would die. See, look at the verse what death? I'll be lifted up is direct connection to the verse 33. This he said signifying by what death he would die. Because this was the clue. Every Jew knew that Jesus is now pointing to the fact that he is going to die on the cross. So they had a question. They said, when the people heard this, they said, we heard from the law that the Messiah or the Christ remains forever. How can you say the Son of Man will be lifted up? Who is the son of man? So, Jesus at one they they knew that Jesus is saying that he is the Messiah. But according to the Messiah, the Messiah never dies. He lives forever. But they don't know that Isaiah 53 says that Jesus is going, the Messiah is going to die for them. Because they don't believe that. Mm -hmm. So the son of man must be lifted up. 
So Jesus says, walk while you have the light. Lest darkness offend you. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of the light. These things Jesus spoke and was departed and was hidden for them. Now look at the conclusion of the whole thing. And although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. They actually heard the physical voice of God, but it could not change them. Why? Because of Isaiah. This Isaiah prophesied about it. Lord, who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so I should heed them. These things Isaiah said when he saw, when Isaiah saw his glory and spoke of him. Do you know when Isaiah saw Jesus lifted up? You know, Jesus, we, all, we always think that Isaiah saw God on the throne, right? In Isaiah chapter 6. Okay, here is Isaiah chapter 6. Look at this. In the year that the king Uzziah said, I saw the Lord. Do you, hear, do you see this? In the, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up and the train of the rope filled the temple. Who was sitting on the throne? Father. Jesus. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. okay. Okay, 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 okay. I want you to get this. I want you to get this. I want you to get this. Let's go back to John chapter 12. Keep your hand at John chapter 12. Okay, read, uh, you read uh, John chapter 12, verse 37. Although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe him. Who is this him? Jesus. Jesus. Okay? That the, that the word of Isaiah, the prophet, might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Who is this Lord in this verse? Father, who and to whom arm of the Lord? Okay. Lord is the Father. Arm is the Jesus. Arm of Jesus. Okay. Let's read the next verse. Therefore, they did not believe. Okay. There's echo. Okay. Let's see. Echo. Okay. Therefore, they did not believe because Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts lest they should see with their eyes lest they should understand with their hearts and though I should heal them these things Isaiah said when he saw his glory whose glory? Jesus glory because the context is whom? they did not believe him who is the him here? in John 12 12 verse 37 Messiah the Messiah Jesus correct? So, these things Isaiah said when he saw whose glory? Jesus' glory. Okay, and where, when was that? When did Isaiah see Jesus' glory? In his vision in chapter 6. Look at this. This is what John is telling and the Holy Spirit is telling. So, who did Jesus, Isaiah see on the throne that day? Do you know this matches exactly what Jesus said? No one has seen the Father. So who are, who, who are the prophets seeing all the time? Jesus. Jesus. Here's a classic place where the verse confirms it. 
they are seeing Jesus. So here, look at this verse. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And I will just, just stay on this verse. So which year did Jesus ascend to the throne? The Jubilee? <laughs> when he died. When King Uzziah died. Did he get it? What does Uzziah mean? Yah means God. Yahweh. Correct? Uz means strength. When did the strength of God, Yahweh, die? When his right hand was crushed on the cross. He was the complete strength of God. Correct? When did Uzziah become a king? I, that's a trick question. Now you are thinking of King Uzziah. Think Jesus. When did King G, When did Jesus become king? When he died. When he died. Remember that day when he entered Jerusalem, he became a king. That the same year, in the year that King Uzziah died, he's talking about Jesus. I saw the Lord Jesus sitting on a throne. Why? Because the day he died, Babylon was taken and Jesus, God the Father raised him up and sat him where? Say hi. Say hi. And you are seated with him and lifted up. Look at the word lifted up. See the church. See, let me, let me, let me, and take it from me. And Jesus says this. Because of what Jesus did at the cross, God has given him a better name than what he had before he came to the earth. He gave him a higher place than what he had before. He gave him a greater place, all for your sake. You got the picture? That means you, he has now more authority and more power above all the angels. And remember, Satan is an angel now, correct? Far above. See, now Satan, this place that God has raised him up, Jesus, and where the church is seated is, is a high place, a lifted up place. And what fills his temple? His train. The train of his robe. And what is his robe? Righteousness. His righteousness. So his righteousness fills the temple. Got it? Got it? And we'll close with this one final verse. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 66. Isaiah chapter 66. Look at what he says. Again, tells to the church. Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad with her all. Isaiah chapter 66 verse 10. Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad with her all who love her. Rejoice for joy with her all who mourn for her that you may feed and be satisfied with the consolation of her bosom, that you may drink deeply and be delighted with the abundance of her glory. Thus says the Lord, I will extend peace to her like a river and the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. Then you shall feed, on her sides you shall be carried and dangled on her feet as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you, and you will be comforted in Jerusalem. Then you see this, your heart will rejoice, 
and your bones shall flourish like grass. The hand of the Lord shall be known to his servants and his indignation to his en enemies. This is what I want you to remember. Isaiah chapter 66 verse 12. Then you shall feed and be satisfied with the consolation of our bosom that you may be delighted deeply and be you, you may drink deeply and be delighted with the abundance of her glory. I'm telling you, you now feed this abundance of the glory that the Lord Jesus has provided for you. That means you have endless supply of forgiveness. You have endless supply of favor. You have endless supply of victory. You drink as much as you want. Drink as much as you want. I mean, you're, you should be so satisfied. That's your soul will be so completely satisfied. You're like, how much, how much? Like, it's almost like asking Sushil, Sushil, how, what do you want? What do you want at this point of time in your life? Like, like, he's, like a mother asks a child, what do you want? Do you want to go to Disneyland? What do you want in life? What do you want? Do you want two chocolates, three chocolates? I want you to be totally satisfied with, you can only be delighted with the abundance of glory. You got it? What is glory? That means the righteousness of Jesus finds no fault with you. So enemy will constantly come saying, you deserve this judgment. Oh, this happened because Satan is so powerful. He is so much. He is against you. He's planning stuff against you or something. If one thing you can take away from this Bible study is you have a shaking enemy who cries like a wimp behind the door, afraid of you. And you can ask whatever from the Father and he will give it to you because the judgments have been taken away and you can be satisfied with the abundance of our glory. Receive it. Receive it. I want you to receive it. I know we've, we have, there are so many more verses I don't have time. I don't have time we'll be able to cover it. Uh, and especially on Zoom calls, it is more difficult because you are just sitting and we, you know, you just see into a camera. What I'm saying is, Meditate on some of these passages. You know, go back and read it. Go back and read Isaiah 55. Uh, go back and read Jeremiah 31. Uh, Isaiah 53. Isaiah 58. John chapter 9. There are a lot of verses. But just, just, just read it. I mean, just drink deeply. Drink deeply from this forgiveness. I'm saying is every time Satan brings judgments against you, you say, hey, guess what? I can drink deeply from this forgiveness that Jesus has. I, he finds no fault in me. I can always go back deeply and drink. I can go back deeply and drink. Let's look at uh, Job chapter 5 verse uh, 19. It says, He shall deliver you in six troubles. Yes, in seven, no evil shall touch you. I mean, he's like, you keep falling in the same troubles. He will deliver you in six, but in seven... No evil shall touch you. That means you fell into trouble because of your mistake. But guess what? When will he stop delivering you? Never. He will never. Means you are drinking deeply. How much will he forgive you? All the time. How many faults can he find in you? None at all. How much prosperity will he bring to you? Uh, what say that again? 
abundant. How much ever you want to ask? Right? How much ever you want to ask? How much? What do you want, Bobby, in life? <laughs> what? Alkeshan Manisha, what do you want? Rajesh and Sudha. I mean, everybody. Sorry, I, I'm not, I can only see one page. Okay, let me go to the next page. Okay. <laughs> Matt and Betsy, right? Manora and Padmini, what do you want in life? I mean, everything has been paid for. Drink deeply, drink deeply. You know, this is what Isaiah says in 66. I want you to go back to Isaiah 66. I underline that verse. You know, there are some verses I tell you to underline. Underline that verse. Isaiah 66, verse 11. Underline that. How should you drink from this father? How much should you drink from this father? So it's like this is a, this is this this is an act. You know the word El Shaddai. El Shaddai. Everybody's smiling because you know what it means. You know what it means. Many-breasted one. The many-breasted one. That's a picture of a mother. He says, "How many breasts do you have?" Like if you finish drinking on one breast, go to the next. Drink deeply till you are satisfied. What do you want in life? How much forgiveness you want? How much? How many times do you want me to tell you that you are perfect in my eyes? And go, go. And, remember, I told you to Google one word called scent, and see how many times the word scent can look. Google this in the Bible. These things I have spoken. <laughs> it's like, these things I've spoken that you shall not stumble. These things I've spoken that you might be comforted. These things I've spoken that you shall not be deceived. These things I've spoken. Why? Because he's saying, I'm telling you all this because I want you to drink deeply. So before the 10th plague, let me conclude. Before the 10th plague, what did God tell Israel? How much should you ask? Whatever, whatever you have. How much should you ask? Soul is satisfied. Till you are satisfied. Mm -hmm. Ask whatever, correct? What did, the, what did the Egyptians do? How much did they give the Israelites? Everything they did. Everything they asked. You see the picture of abundance? Your soul can only be satisfied when you say stop. You got it? So, when Jesus is now going into the Passover, the real Passover... Israel did not go into the real Passover. Israel went into a type of Passover, which was a type of the real Passover. What was the real Passover? Jesus. Jesus, correct? Jesus dying is the real Passover. Yes or no? Yes. Yes or no? Yes. So before the type of the Passover that Israel went, what did God tell Israel? What to do? Collect from the Egyptians. Ask, correct? How much important do you think before the real Passover, what will the father tell the church? Do you think the father will tell something very yes, similar? Yes. Okay, where is it? Read uh, uh, John chapter 16. Underline that. John chapter 16. This is the night of the Passover. He, he has not... He has not going, he has not yet died. He's about to die the next day. This is what he says. John chapter 16, verse 25. 
what he says? What does he say? This, in that day, you shall ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever, you see the word? Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. He is doing the real Passover right now and he's telling who is going to give it. Father. Israel received the gold and the silver from whom? Egyptians. Egyptians. Now for the real Passover, where will you get stuff from? From the Father. Okay. So that you are not, uh, you are not, you, you, it, it, it is reiterated. Look at the next verse. verse. John chapter 16, verse 19. This is the night of the Passover. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive. Okay, Egyptians, Israel, Israel, Egyptians could ask, sorry, Israelites could ask gold, silver or clothing. What is the limitation here? Whatever. Whatever. The church has a bigger mandate. You can ask whatever you ask. Ask and you shall receive. And he says what? Verse, uh, John chapter 16 verse 26. In that day you will ask in my name. I do not say that I should pray the father for you. For the father himself loves you. I have come. Okay, look at what he says. Whatever you ask the father in that in that day, verse 26, whatever you ask the Father, in that day you ask in my name, I do not say I should pray the Father for you. Whatever. Underline that word whatever. In uh, John chapter 16, verse 23. Is your prayer request in the whatever? Yes. yes. I like that Jyotsna answered first. <laughs> because she's praying for something. Is it in your Whatever. So, so, as a church, we always try to ask this. Is this in the will of God? Correct? This verse says what? What is in the will of God? Whatever you ask. <laughs> whatever you ask is in the will of God. Because whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give you. Why will He give you? He loves you. Because He loves you. He loves you. But you ask the Father right now. Stop asking Jesus. Ask the Father, whatever. So I, you have an assignment till the next life team. And this is the assignment. The assignment is, what great things can you ask the Father? Without looking at your accomplishments, without looking at your works, without, without, what can you ask? You say, but I want a promotion. Okay, that is still uh, linked up with what you performed at work, correct? I'm not saying don't, don't, ask, don't ask that, but I'm saying is try to ask for things that gives glory to the Father completely, that where you have no part in it like like what part does the clothing of the Egyptians have to do with the guy who asks he has nothing he didn't get that he asked that's all but I'm saying is that ask ask whatever because the because 
Why? Because the next verse, until now you have asked nothing in my name, ask and you will receive that your joy will be full. What joy? The joy of your soul. Remember, your soul will never be satisfied unless you can be so sure that I can ask and ask and ask and I will never run out of stuff to supply. That means my mother has so many breasts to feed me. I can constantly ask and I will never be turned down. So he connects the same thing. How much should you ask? This is the key and this, this is the crux of this. Think about it. Ask so much that your soul is fully satisfied. <laughs> What's your problem? What's your problem? Ask. You got it? If you don't ask, what's going to happen? Your soul is never going to be satisfied. You will live a, you will live a life which is unsatisfied. Correct? You will live a life that is unsatisfied and you will be disappointed. But you will go to heaven. You will have great victory. But you will always think, ah, I wish I had asked more when I was on the earth. I wish I had asked for my neighbors. I wish I had asked more for my friends. If I, I, ah, I would have been so much more satisfied. Ah, I just never enjoyed life. Because I thought that I had to work for it. You got it? You got the picture? Your soul, your, your spirit is saved. Your spirit is perfect. Your body is healed. Oh, I wish I had asked for my health more. Because drink deeply. Let's go back to this last verse. Isaiah chapter 66. Go back again. I want you to meditate on it. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 11. Did you underline that verse? Yes. Okay, what does it say? Okay, look at verse 11. You shall feed and be satisfied with the consolation of your bosom. You shall drink how? How should you drink? Don't drink hesitantly. Don't drink just, just, just enough. Lord, Lord, I, I'm not asking big things. Just get me out of this place. <laughs> Don't make your demand so just sufficient as if he, he's run out of breast to feed you with. You got it? Don't just, Lord, just give me a job which can just pay me minimum wage. I just need a job at this point of time. Oh, just give me a job that I will, I can, give me a job at least that I will make the amount that I made last year. You got it? <laughs> just get me, just give me a job. Just, I'm not asking too much. Just give me that, Lord. I will glorify your name forever. You, got, you see how, you're not drinking deeply. You have to drink deeply. Guys, guys, hear me out. <laughs> this whole, forget about this Jeremiah 50, Satan, kingdom, power. The whole point is this. Because <laughs> if you do not walk up to the Egyptian's house and ask, what is the point? The Passover lamb has died. The 10th plague has come. And you walked out of Egypt in poor. Whose problem is that? Your problem. Your problem. There's one thing that you are supposed to do. <laughs> you just had to do this one thing in Egypt. 
<laughs> you didn't do that. See, this is what the Lord said. Do you get this new covenant that God, the Lord Jesus has got for you? Do you get that? Do you get this picture? How much, how much should you ask? How much should you drink? Deeply. 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 Just for the sake to prove that he has more breasts. Just for the sake. Like, like what need is for Peter to walk on water? I, glorify God. I'm like, I'm going to ask for water. I, I, I'm going to walk on water. I'm going to ask. And Jesus says, ah, come. No problem. Come. So he enjoyed a nice walk on the Sea of Galilee. I mean, it doesn't meet his intellectual need. His, uh, what does it meet? Yeah, but it gives so much glory, the fact that whatever he asks, he receives. So ask, drink deeply. Be, be, can, you, can you be a little crazy when you ask the father stuff right now? Because the father loves you so much. Ask him. Ask him whatever you want. Ask impossible things to the father. What's your problem, JR? <laughs> Don't go on your experiences. Ask whatever you want. Ask. It's your job to ask during the season. Drink deeply. And this is the Lord's part. This is what he says. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her. How? How does the peace come to you? Like a river. What, what, what is the characteristic of a river? Flowing. Never stops. Just keeps on flowing. Keeps on flowing. Like Job said, Six troubles he delivered you. On seventh, no evil shall come by me. Man, you just making, you keep making mis mistakes, you keep messing up, but God still says, I find no fault in him. <laughs> so you go back to the father and says, can I go and ask for some more things? Sure, what do you want now? But I just messed up yesterday. I'm sorry, I, what, you messed up? I, did you confess anything? I don't remember. I don't see it. For he abundantly pardons whom he preserves. You see the verse? Did you underline that verse? He abundantly pardons. Look at the word abundantly pardons. He abundantly pardons whom he preserves. Okay. Rejoice. Say, behold, I will extend peace to her like a river. Wow. Get ready for the best part. This is a part that Sushil will rejoice. Correct? Because he meditates on this a lot. He says, and the glory of the Gentiles like a glowing stream. He's not talking about the glory of the church. What does the Gentiles glory in? Riches. Riches. Praise. Honor. This is what the Gentiles glory after. Correct? What does God do that Gentile? What does that come to you? How does it come to you? Okay, what is the characteristic of a flowing stream? No, no. <laughs> You're spiritualizing it. What is the characteristic of a flowing stream? Never stops. What is the characteristic of a river? Never stops. So how will you get peace? Continues. How will you get the glory of the Gentiles? Never stops. Never stops. You will be carried on her sides and dangled on her knees. 
<laughs> you are like a little child on the feet of the church that Jesus carries you. As a mother, as one whom his mother comforts, I will comfort you. And you shall be comforted in Jerusalem, which is the church. Guess what? Get ready to be comforted. What happens when this happens? Then it says, when you see this, when you see what? George, when you see what will your bones, when your heart will rejoice? When you see what will your heart rejoice? The abundance. Correct. When you see this, when you see verse 66, verse 12, when you see that you are abundantly pardoned, you are abundantly forgiven, you continually have peace. And you have the glory of the Gentiles that never stop you. When you see this, your heart will rejoice. And your bones shall flourish like grass. That's a picture of the soul. Your soul will be so satisfied. Hallelujah. 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 Drink like a drink deep in this river. Don't ask. Like this stream is this glory of the Gentiles that this wealth or whatever you're asking for is like this one stop. You can only ask four today, okay? I'm running out of quota. Only four today. If you need any more, come back tomorrow. No. Drink deep. Ask deep. I made my point. (laughs) So, Jeremiah 31 verse 14 has a beautiful word, Sam. I will satiate the soul of the priest with abundance and my people shall be satisfied. There you go. I I had that verse, but I I, I didn't want to bring it up because (laughs) I've been telling this is the last verse, it's the last verse (laughs) for quite some time. And Milu is like, you said it's the last verse? (laughs) Abundance verse. Abundance, you know. There, there you go. And it says, this is a... 14. There you go, 14. Look at this. I will satiate the soul of the priest. Who are the priests? We. we. With what? Abundance. This is the key word. I'm sorry, you should have underlined this verse. Underline this verse. Your soul can only be satisfied with... If anybody tells you just enough... Just enough is good for the church is wrong. Your soul can only be satisfied with abundance. How much your soul? If your soul is not satisfied, you will always have this thing. There's uneasiness in your spirit because your soul part has not been taken care. How will the soul be satisfied? The soul will only be satisfied with abundance. And just in case you don't misunderstand, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Receive this. Receive this. Any any other verse? Any other verse that you want to talk about? Look at Ecclesiastes chapter... uh, 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 6 verse 3 if a man begets a hundred children and lives many years so that the days of his years are many look at it how satisfied a man is and his soul is not satisfied with goodness or indeed he has no burial I say a still child is better than him even if he lives a thousand years but has not seen goodness 
does he not go to one place? That means I'm saying is, what is the point if your soul is not satisfied? You, you, your soul needs to be satisfied. I know nobody preaches this, but this is the problem. This, your soul needs to be satisfied. So we have heard so much preaching. It's like, brother, just make it in this life till you get to heaven. You know, don't worry about being satisfied and all that. You, what you have received, just be happy. What is the point? When Jesus has said, drink deeply and be satisfied with my goodness. Drink deeply and be satisfied with my goodness. What the is... Lord says, right, not to stop the flow. Because in Isaiah 60, it says, the, the gate, your gate shall not be shut day or night, so that the wealth of the Gentiles may come in. Amen. Amen. And remember, we started off with Jeremiah chapter 50. Do you remember that? And what he said, he shall, you shall feed him. Are you, can you see the monitor? Yes. You shall feed him on Carmel and Basha and your soul shall be satisfied on Mount Ephraim and Gilead. In that day, the iniquity of Israel shall be sought and there shall be none. Remember that. The peace comes by the fact that even when Satan hunts for your sins, you, there he has no supply. He has nothing to bring before you. So the best part of this, uh, your soul is, your soul needs two mountains to be satisfied. Let me close again with this. There are two mountains your soul needs to be satisfied. One mountain is Mount Ephraim, in which is all your fruitfulness, your prosperity, your glory of the Gentiles, your honor, and your forgiveness and your peace. And the other mountain is healing. God says you're going to be satisfied on both. So I want you to, I want to close with prayer right now. Let's get ready this season. Let's get this ready this season to drink deeply from this covenant that the Lord Jesus has purchased for you. I know we covered so many verses and there's so much more. But, but one thing is sure, that you can drink deeply from this covenant. Ask what you want. Meditate on Isaiah chapter 66 and say, Lord, you will abundantly forgive me. You can, I can always come before your throne. Go and read Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 2. Read Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 2. See, the, your eyes of your understanding have opened to see how much supply the Lord has provided for you. Receive it. I'm saying ask big during the season. What's, it's not our job to see how it comes. And if you are trying to see with your eyes for it to be manifested, just like the disciples, they heard a loud voice from the Father glorifying His name, but they didn't believe it. But He says, flesh profits nothing. My words, they are spirit, they are life. Jesus today is telling you by words, He's saying, receive my victory. Receive my abundance. Believe what I'm saying. Don't wait to see it with your eyes. Don't wait to see it in your flesh. Believe it in your, in your, with your eyes of your understanding. See it and you will receive it. Amen? Are you ready to receive supernatural healings that you are standing on? Gilead is yours. Ephraim is yours. I just want you to get this. Uh, I just want you to meditate. Just kind of in your coin time. Guys, guys, I feel so strongly, you know. Just... Just when anxious thoughts are coming in, just sit in his presence and just drink deeply.
of this forgiveness. Just drink deeply. Oh, my father loves me so much. Oh, oh, my goodness, my father loves me so much. Just drink deeply in his presence. Just, just be convinced that the father loves you completely. And whatever he asks you, whatever you ask him, he will give. Don't have any thought like I have to prepare myself to receive. Just, just jump on his lap and just be dangled at his side and just have total peace with him. You got the you, you got my picture? Yes. Just, just get get your soul at peace, at rest with him. Don't feel afraid of him. Don't be afraid of any judgments in your world. Amen. I'm, I'm, guys, guys, Satan is not judging you. He's pretending to judge you. You got it? He's not judging you. He's pretending to judge you. He cannot judge you. Because he knows he, he appears before you, he, he has to flee. So, so I, I think I'm not done preaching, but, <laughs> like, but, but I, can, I can sense this. There are, peop- there are some of you who have anxious thoughts. You got it? I want you to get rid of your anxious thoughts by not by getting rid of anxious thoughts. You cannot get rid of anxious thoughts. You have to replace it with the abundance in your spirit of, with the love that the Father has towards you. Like constantly meditate. Oh my goodness, my Father just loves me so much. Oh my goodness, He's not just waiting to answer anything I ask Him today. You got it? I can ask Him anything today. He will answer me. So plainly, plainly, and just feed, feed, feed. Don't sit and listen to all this news and all this evil report. Who cares what's happening in the world? What's your what's what is that to do with you? You just feed at his side and just drink deeply and believe what he's saying, right? I know it's Passover time, but it's bad news for the Egyptians, not bad news for you. <laughs> it is the day of their plunder, but it also the day of your plunder. <laughs> you got it? Why are you trying to identify with the world? I mean, I'm seeing these believers are so tormented. Oh, the, what's happening to the world? Oh, this is so bad. Guys, you are not the world. You are New Jerusalem. You are seated with Jesus. You are in a very high place. Don't try to identify with Babylon. So you just keep drinking of the Father. Just keep drinking. Just meditate on it. Spend time on it. I mean, read chapters like Jeremiah chapter 50 for a change. <laughs> and, and understand it for the way it is. You know, remember the church is the attacker. It's on offense right now. He is the guy who is supposed to be worried. Not you. He's trying to get you into his camp. But you, you don't care. I don't care. I'm not afraid of him. I'm not worried about him. I don't care about the demon. I am believing great, incredible victories this happening right now. Incredible favor happening because I've never asked the way I'm asking now. I'm asking for impossible things. I don't care. My job is asking. I've got one job. It's the night of the Passover. I'm going to ask. 
I'm going to ask for my family members. I'm going to ask for my relatives. I'm going to ask for myself. I'm going to ask for whatever for my family. I'm going to ask for my children. And you say, oh, but you have not been good parents. I don't care. Six times he will deliver you. Seven times no evil shall come for. I mean, I'm like, I'm messed up in my parenting. I don't care. <laughs> my children are still going to be blessed. My children are still going to be rescued. You know, I receive no judgment. Read, okay, let me come close. Read my lips. <laughs> I receive no judgments. Amen. But he will say, but you, but, but, but he will say, you, you've sinned against the Lord of the habitation of justice. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, you have to get this righteousness conscious so much in your spirit. I don't care. I will receive no judgments right now. See, COVID is a judgment. Amen? Yes, that's right. Right. Jo uh, job loss is a judgment. Yes? Every, every evil is a judgment. I receive it not. I receive it not. I am receiving victory. You got it? I receive no judgments. I don't, I don't, there is no place for judgments in me. I am not, I am receiving a greater job. I'm getting a new, broader place. I'm getting a rich place. I'm getting a restful place. Thank God I moved out from that place because God has prepared a broader place for me. I would have never got this place unless I've not been out from there. Amen? Amen? Mm -hmm. Don't ask for just enough. Ask shamelessly. for... Shamelessly. Huh? Ask shamelessly. <laughs> I like that word. I like that word. Maybe you need to make a sticker. Ask shamelessly. So, in fact, you should be able to ask so much, like the kingdom of darkness should say, Sushil, are you not shameless to ask this? Like, you should be asking stuff. That means you like no shame to ask. Yes, I, I like that. I like that. You need to make a... Hey, he makes verses, right? He makes graphic arts. I've seen him sometimes send stuff. Send that poster to everybody. Ask shamelessly. You know, because it, it also is a picture of not depending on your righteousness in that message. I ask shamelessly. So I, I sense that at this point of time when, you're, when our thoughts are so, our soul, I, I wanted to really focus. The Lord was telling me, tell them to, I want you to minister to their soul. You got the point? Not their spirit, not their body, their soul. What their soul is all their anxious thoughts. And he, and he told me uh, about a couple of months, a month or two months back, a, a couple of months back. He said, Anil, your soul will never be satisfied unless there is abundance. Don't live in the land of just enough. Land, live in the land of abundance. So when you have the land of abundance, your soul will be satisfied. Also, so when somebody asks you some money, you'll be like, oh, ah. Uh, uh, I have to transfer money from this checkings account into this and from there I have to move it into this because everywhere I have to keep minimum balance. <laughs> Your life should not be a life of minimum balance. <laughs> it be the life of, I don't care which account you take money, there is always supply. And it has nothing to do with you. Correct? Correct? You, you get the picture? You have been designed to live on abundance. Now, 
when when God created Adam and Eve, how many people were on the earth? Two people. Two people. He said, I will give you all the trees of the world. What eat water? How many trees can you eat from? Unlimited. Huh? Unlimited. But how many can you eat physically? Not even one. Not even one. But was their soul satisfied? No. Why? They wanted the one. They... You got the point. Proves my point. <laughs> <laughs> because they were told not to eat that one, they suddenly, their whole soul is now focused on what? That one. They shouldn't eat. Shouldn't eat. Because your soul is never satisfied unless there is how much supply? Abundance. 100% supply, total supply. Mm -hmm. And has God now provided that under the new covenant? Yes. Can you eat of any tree in this garden without judgments? Yes. Is there any fear when you eat right now? No. Are you in a better place than you were in than Adam? Yes. yes. No. But you see, you are in a better place than Adam right now. You can eat of any tree and not be afraid of judgments because he has paid the price. Judgments have been removed. In, in a way, I'm glad. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That Adam sinned because he would never be delivered out. The Savior would never come. The new covenant would never be established. Because the, the works of man would never be proved that he cannot live by it. Man would always be dependent on his works. But now, we one thing we can be sure, you cannot depend on your flesh to receive the good that God wants. You are much more in the last Adam. You are much more in the last Adam. We are in a better place than the last Adam. So your anxious thoughts has a basis, has no basis right now. Let me repeat this once again. Your anxious thoughts has no basis. Can you write that down in English somewhere? Your anxious thoughts has no basis. See, before Christ, your anxious thoughts had basis. Who is going to pay the price? Who is going to deliver you? There was all this question. But now, in Christ, your anxious thoughts has no basis or no foundation. There is no validity for your anxious thoughts. There is no concern that something will run out. How, how, so you, then you'll ask me, Anil, how much can I sin? I say you can sin unlimited. But you say, hey, that's blasphemy. But I want you to know that you can sin unlimited because you'll be forgiven unlimited. Because unless you know that, you will your soul will go to that one sin that cannot be forgiven. And what is that one sin? And that you are already delivered out because now you are born again. You got it? The only one sin is blasphemy against Jesus. That means you don't receive Jesus. The Holy Spirit bearing witness that Jesus is the Son of God. Once you... You cannot even now commit that sin. You got the problem. You cannot commit because now you are locked into this prison of righteousness. You cannot even deny Jesus. I mean, you're, you're, you, you're, you, he lives in you. 
so you are completely set free but but because you have that opportunity will you sin no who wants to sin who wants to do stupid stuff because my mind is renewed i am free to serve him without concern without without fear i can serve him with great love because my salvation is an everlasting salvation my covenant is an everlasting covenant i mean in everything you have to get this out of your mind if there is even one thought in your mind that i might lose my salvation oh i i there not be enough for my family or in this area my tomorrow my future is uncertain if there is even this one thought guess what your soul is finally going to circle round and torment you with this one thing and you're waking up and you're sleeping will always be around that one thing i am saying drink deeply in that one area drink deeply like you are worried about one area in your life start seeing jesus in that area drink deeply of him meditate on that part read the scriptures that talk about that talk about it meditate on your own in your own bible study in that area i'm i'm very anxious yes because in that area i have not received supply of abundance see that's a clear symptom in that area you have not received a supply of abundance not just supply of abundant supply amen i'm done i'm sorry <laughs> but i had to share it because i felt that there was still lingering anxious thoughts you get the point drink deeply and let it automatically just go out don't fight it don't try to fight your anxious thoughts drink deeply and let it just go out drink deeply meditate on how good he is i feel i just feel a blanket of great anointing on all of you see out of this peace and out of this rest you will do incredible things see without that rest you cannot be fruitful because your mind and constantly is thinking about that you're worried constantly about that you are not focused on what the lord wants to do through you because your soul is f- stuck on that but once you start receiving supply in that area of your concern of your anxious thoughts and to tell you that i don't have any need my god will supply i anil just preached today i'm going to i'm going to have incredible supply i'm believing for it i don't know from where it's coming i don't care but i'm going to receive incredible supply so get ready brothers and sisters in whatever area you have lacked god wants to supply that your joy will be what abundant full full means like full how can your joy be full if your soul is not satisfied he's going to give it he's going to be give it and god is getting ready to great do great things during this time so don't worry about the world Don't worry don't worry brothers and sisters don't get worried about the world don't look at the shiny white object <laughs> don't be distracted he is trying to distract you you stay focused you are in a seated place stay seated and rule and reign and let the wealth of the gentiles come to you let the glory of the gentiles come to you you got it Remember last time we studied Esther sat on the banquet of wine and Haman came down bowing to her and he had a mask on 
You know, that was the picture. Go and read it. There's a mention of the mask in Esther. The church is on the banquet chair and Haman, the enemy, is the one with the mask. So the world puts the masks on, but the church confesses and declares and shakes her head and laughs him to scorn. So that's, so get this in your spirit. I want your spirit to, your spirit is already there, but your soul is not there because your soul has heard so much of evil report. And good things are going to happen. And I'm believing incredible things are going to happen. You, you, each one of you will have, be a source of so much supply to the world, to your world. And you're going to receive it. And you're going to be, be minister because this somebody has to supply. You are the spout in each of these areas where God's un, unlimited supply is going to come. It is, it is unique because we win our victories by what? The word of our testimony. The word of the testimony. Satan knows that if he can stop our mouth. See, remember, he's, he's a kingdom. He knows if he can stop our mouth. That's why there's so much of peer pressure. Oh, don't say that. You'll offend that guy. Oh, don't say that. You'll offend that people group. Oh, don't say that. Means what? Means what? Don't say I will say, I will speak because by the word of my mouth, I have my victory. I will speak. I don't care what he says because they have no authority over me. I'm not going to be afraid. The Bible says, I, I didn't take any of the verses of Ezekiel chapter, the shepherd. He said, my sheep, nobody shall make them afraid. Nobody shall make them afraid. They shall lie down. Nobody shall make them afraid. I know they are beasts around here, but they shall lie down in woods. Nobody's going to make, make you afraid. So that is why Haman's mouth was covered when he fell down. <laughs> That's so amazing. The moment he fell down. Did you know that verse? I thought we st studied last time. Do you remember that? Did you know that verse? It is there. When he fell down, he covered his mouth. That's the position. See, Satan wants to do to the world what has been done to what has been done to him? Which is it? Esther? Esther 7 verse 8. Oh my goodness. Look at how powerful it is. This is the picture of the church. When the king returned to the palace garden, to the place of the banquet of wine, which is the cross. This is the place of the banquet of wine. This is where we have received our victory. The blood. Haman had fallen. Remember Jesus said, now is the judgment. Now the ruler of the world is cast out. Haman had fallen across the couch where Esther was. So he falls in the place where the church is. That's the world. He's not falling across God's throne. He's falling across the couch where the church is sitting. And what does the king said? Then the king said, will you also assault the queen, while I am in the house, <laughs> look how the king takes it personal. Things have changed in the kingdom. Now, whatever <laughs> Haman has barely touched Esther, but the king says, "Hold on, did you touch the church?" See how how things have changed right now. This is the same Haman that the church was afraid of before this event. 
Esther was fasting and praying and mourning and afraid. Suddenly, the king said, will you assault the queen while I'm in the house? Say, in the house. <laughs> the king is in the house. The king is in the house. And as the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Who has the mask on? Not me. <laughs> Not me. None of these guys have masks on. We don't have the mask on. And it says Haman had fallen, just like Babylon is fallen. Same word. Because see, all this is a picture of Satan and his kingdom. See, this is the heart of the gospel. All these are pictures. The whole Bible is of this warfare, this trap that God laid. Oh, it's so beautiful. Now, if you read the Bible with this understanding, every book in the Bible will become alive to you. You got it? And you will realize your authority. The more you read this, the more you will go back, come back and say, guys, you don't know where you are, what the right and the privileges you have. It's incredible who you are in Christ Jesus. So any book you take in the Bible, like we covered so many books. In fact, if you look at it, I mean, we covered Zephaniah, Jeremiah, 1 Samuel, Ezekiel, Job, John, Isaiah, 2 Chronicles, Ecclesiastics, Colossians, Ephesians, Romans. <laughs> First, I mean, it's all Samuel. Like David taking the head of Goliath. Everything is a picture of this ultimate victory that Jesus won for us. Everything. Everything. So let God gives you the eyes of your understanding that you can see this in the scripture. And, and enjoy and be able to... So this is what you need to practice. Right? Next time, when you come back on the show, practice... <laughs> Okay, I want you to do three practice sessions, okay? One, first practice is what? Come on, guys. Ask. You will practice asking crazy. What is the word? I like what Sushil said. How? Shamelessly ask. Okay? So you're going to do three things. Ask shamelessly, okay? Shamelessly ask. I like that verb. <laughs> no, adjective first. Shamelessly ask, okay? Second, scornfully laugh. Laugh him to scorn. Practice it against Satan. You got it? Laugh him to scorn. And the third, shake your head behind his back. <laughs> I know you're not practiced any of these for a long time, right? With Satan, I, this is the posture you need to have with him. Number one, ask shamelessly. Second, Shake your head behind his back and then laugh him to scorn. Practice it with Satan. You got it? So practice this constantly. You just don't care. You're just not afraid. You just like constantly like laugh him. Like when you get this anxious thought, you like laugh in your quiet time. You're like seriously, seriously, headless guy talking to me. <laughs> you know, like 
So get into this more of know who you are in Christ Jesus. But practice this because this is what the Lord Jesus talks about you, daughter of Zion. Ask shamelessly. There is so much rejoicing in the camp where the plunderer has just arrived. Isn't it? There is so much joy and gladness when the bandits loot banks and they bring the money into their den. There is so much of joy. <laughs> this is like plunder. When was the last time you have been preached on how to plunder? Right? We are so, so defensive in the kingdom. Right? Man, you have to get over it. You have to start asking because our methods are so unique. Our methods are shaking head, laughing, asking. You know, That's our methods. But God says, this is where you are. Okay, re- see this verse. You saw the verse? See, let nobody cheat you out of your inheritance and your authority by basic principles of this world. You got it? Don't let anybody cheat you. What he says? For in him all fullness and you are complete in him. So y'all are dangerous guys today after this message. I'm telling you. <laughs> See, there is this one passage Satan definitely doesn't want you to know. One chapter. Jeremiah chapter 50. Unfortunately, it's too late. You know Jeremiah chapter 50 right now. It is too powerful. You know who you are. And you know how he thinks about you. Are you willing to receive the soul satisfaction that you have? You, something is bothering you about a health condition? The Lord says, drink deeply and receive from my healing that I purchased at the cross. Receive it right now. Receive it. Father, we come before your throne, O Lord. We come before your throne right now. Lord, your word says, let, let come boldly before your throne and ask whatever you, you want and you shall receive. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy will be full. Lord, I pray that all the prayer requests that my brothers and my sisters are having at this point of time. Lord, while their mind, have, they've got anxious thoughts concerning their future. They have anxious thoughts concerning their relatives. They have anxious thoughts concerning their parents. They have anxious thoughts concerning their situation. Lord, I pray for supernatural supply to manifest first in their soul, Lord, to be able to know that your words have promised them that whatever you their need is, you will supply. Father, let them be able to see it, Lord. Let them be able to believe it and let them be able to drink deeply and to be satisfied. Father, let there be great and incredible miracles that happen because they have sought to ask big during this time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. The Lord says, I sit high and lifted up because King Uzziah has died. And my train fills the temple. You are the temple. And my righteousness fills all of you. Therefore, you can ask whatever and to drink boldly and ask boldly of things that you never thought you could ask. And the Lord says, I will supernaturally hasten it to cause it to happen that my name will be glorified on the earth. Thank you.
ikire mashuto ni kirisa la kara mashuto na karisi teni kire mashuto na kara sata na kara masuti. Thank you, Master. Lord, I pray for visions and dreams right now upon this church. I pray for supernatural wisdom to be given from above, that they will be able to open their eyes and see the wisdom for things and ways when, when, when doors that are shut, but Lord, supernaturally new doors open up for them, Lord. Rich doors, prosperous doors, beautiful doors. The Lord will open up for you, says the Father. Receive it right now. Because you have been bold enough to be dangled on my feet and to be comforted by me and to drink deeply from me. The Lord says, when accusations come, remember, your enemy is like an anguished woman behind doors. He has heard the report about you and his feet are trembling. And the least of you shall draw him out. And you shall plunder him, says the Father. Do not be afraid of him, says the Lord. Shake your head behind him. And laugh him to scorn. For the daughter of Jerusalem sits with me on my throne. And I am the king in her midst. Incredible prosperity like the, the likes of kind you have never seen is flooding in right now. Believe it, says the father, because I have promised it in Isaiah 66. I will send the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream and peace like a river. Receive my forgiveness. On a daily basis. Daily basis. And the glory of the Gentiles will automatically reach you like a flowing stream. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord says, remove the pointing of fingers from your midst. Remove the pointing of fingers from your midst. Stop pointing fingers at you. Remember Zephaniah. The judgments have been taken away. Stop judging yourself. Receive the abundance of peace, the abundance of forgiveness at this point of time in your life. If you have anxious thoughts, it's because there are anxious areas that you have not received his unconditional forgiveness and peace in your life. Receive it. Six times I will deliver you. Seven times, I will keep you away from evil. Eight times, I will forgive you. Nine times, I will rescue you. Ten times, I will bless you. Eleven times, I will not see your sins. Thirteen times, I will not mark your iniquities. Fourteen times, I find no fault in you. Fifteen times, you are blameless. Sixteen times, I know that you love me. Thank you, Master. So why hesitate to come into my presence and ask? Come like a child and be dangled on my feet and be carried on my sides and drink deeply of my breasts. For I am El Shaddai to you. And my covenant of peace is an everlasting covenant 
that shall never be removed. Receive, says the Father. And be bold with the king of Babylon. Be bold with the king of Assyria. Be bold with Baal. For he has no authority over you in your life. We worship you, Lord, for your word at this time. We receive the engrafted word. And let it bear much fruit, O Master. And fill these, my brethren and my sisters, with great peace and great victories. The, the testimonies of which will fill the land. I thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Amen.